When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week... We bid the denizens of Sweet Valley, beware the babysitter. <laughs> Has it ever been more strange or more terrifying than oh my God. It, <laughs> it really hasn't. We haven't even had the evil twin yet. Oh, God. <laughs> well, uh, I guess as usual, we start out with tag line and mm-hmm. blurb. Uh, Karen, can you share the single tagline? It's a good one. Oh, what a tagline though, in fairness. Like, <laughs> if you're going to have a short one, make it this one. Mm-hmm. It is simply, Margot makes her move. <laughs> she does. She makes several moves, to be fair. <laughs> and she still has no chill. Just in oh case you're wondering. God, listeners. still hanging on by a thread and it's <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> well, here's the full blurb. Margot, I love by the way her name is printed in bold on the back. (laughs) Margot is making herself right at home in Sweet Valley, setting her evil scheme (laughs) in motion. She's got herself a job at the daycare centre, worryingly easily. (laughs) It's just, yeah, no vetting whatsoever. Christ, not in the slightest. Uh, So yes, she's got herself a job at the daycare centre and is busy perfecting her imitation of identical twins Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield. She's even fooled Todd Wilkins and Mrs Wakefield into thinking she's Elizabeth. Not entirely accurate there. No, no. (laughs) Won't say more for fear of spoilers. Now it's only a matter of time before Margot takes over Elizabeth's perfect life. For good! Go on, Margot. (laughs) Do it. We believe in you. We are on your side. (laughs) Meanwhile, Winston Egbert was babysitting for a neighbour. I mean, that's one way of putting it. Oh boy. It's handed a baby against its will. (laughs) Now the neighbour has disappeared. What's Winston going to do with a baby? Waste a lot of this book, is the answer. (laughs) This is such a stupid (laughs) storyline. Well... The sixth title in an explosive seven-part miniseries. Sweet Valley will never be the same. <laughs> I mean, they keep saying that. And yes. It does all go back to the same right after, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, apart from the fact, I guess, that we are... It'll never be... The books will never be the same. Because yeah, we are true. in the melodramatic multiple POV mm. era. True. Yes, the but. format. The format will never be the same would be a more accurate way of putting it. But the town! Same old, same old. Yeah. Ridiculousness, if you ask me. Um, but uh, what is not the same is, is of course, the covers. And this, I think, is... Uh, I mean, the wedding we were all a bit underwhelmed by, mm. I feel. But uh, this is good. 
It is. I mean, yeah, it's it's got Margot on it, so you can't go wrong. <laughs> Although, well, I've said that. Oh. However, she also looks nothing like a Wakefield, which is kind of maybe she's employing some prosthetics or something in her many <laughs> disguises. Her bag of tricks is ever expanding. It's got a fake nose and a fake chin. Maybe that's what's happening. <laughs> well, at what stage of this book she does sort of lay out all her disguises and we cover her entire bed. So I guess there's a lot of stuff in there. She's well equipped. We know that much. Um, but yes, she's so yeah. Anyway, look, it's Margot in the foreground, uh, like giving out to a little boy. He's very cute. He's got a sad little face. He's a oh. very, a very 90s child. Like he looks he like is, yes. he's about to be in a Home Alone spinoff or something. Um, <laughs> like he's got the full on bowl cut, a little stripey uh-huh. polo shirt, red and white stripes, jeans, converse, like very cute. Yeah. Um, then, yes, Margot is then dressed in like a pale blue uh, jumper or like sweater uh, yeah. and jeans and runners and it's we're, we are told what kind of stuff she wears in her like daycare <laughs> employee disguise and that's really not the vibe this is a more preppy look or it's more of an Elizabeth Wakefield look actually yes. in terms of the clothes yeah uh, she still has her, her her raven black hair at the minute <laughs> Her hair gets. Oh, it's very a raven confusing. black wig. Like what? at one stage, she's like this looking at her. Well, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's... yeah, it's like <laughs> wigs within wigs. Her hair basically has its own fucking subplot and personality. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on there. But yeah, so she's like shaking her finger at this little kid, being mean to him as oh. she is wont to do with kids. Unfortunately, it's like the one bad thing about Margot. She's murdering children. Oh, true, <laughs> and she almost murders a child in this. Well. Those pesky kids are going to get in the way, though, so it's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, she is still great, uh, but yeah, so yeah, it's <laughs> like it's a great cover. It just doesn't really look like Margot because she doesn't look like a Wakefield. Um, but then, kind of off to the side, because we've got this kind of collage vibe still going. Uh, we've got Liz and Todd reunited. Oh God! Uh, With not enough consequences for Todd. Not in the slightest. Uh, yeah, they are embracing. Liz is looking up at him he does not look like the Todd that we're used to because oh, nobody looks like themselves baby. anymore like any kind of model consistency has just been thrown out the window basically at this mm-hmm. stage we're doing well to make sure the Wakefields look like themselves at this point point. <laughs> uh, and Liz seems to be mixing it up with her hair accessories because rather than barrettes it looks like she's actually wearing like a hair band like a, yes. a 90s like Alice band so hmm. that's, that's an interesting departure for her anyway yeah. Um, but yeah so like it is it's a good cover I just wish Margot looked more like she's supposed to Oh, can you imagine what fun James Matthews would have had with that? He'd have made it properly like a, an evil Wakefield. Oh my God. I mean, not Jessica. Yes. We know she is an evil Wakefield. But <laughs> like a, a sort of cartoon villain Wakefield. Yeah, your Scooby-Doo villain version of a Wakefield. <laughs> <laughs> Bullying a, an infant. <laughs> it's what she does. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to find out exactly how she does it. Uh, because... I guess we'll we'll get going with Beware the Babysitter and we begin at the beach where Liz is in top form and looking good. She is. And Enid is very much appreciating the view. Uh, Enid is so in love with Liz in this book. It's hilarious. (laughs) We've we've alluded to it. Like, I mean, yeah, everyone else has been saying it for ages, but in this book, it's like, oh my God, she fancies the whole off Liz. Like, she <laughs> loves her. Because it is literally just Enid lying on the beach, admiring Elizabeth as she comes out of the sea. Like, she's a Bond girl, um, basically. Liz looking great. She's in great form. Uh, and Enid's delighted for her to see her kind of, kind of back to her old self. Yes, apparently she looks sexy, but in an understated way. <laughs> 
And this is Alina's point of view. So it's yeah. like, yeah, and she totally is in love with her friend. <laughs> Indeed. Well, yeah, we get a recap of the entire miniseries so far, uh, including a reminder that Liz's drunkenness is still a mystery. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're not a thread drop. Um, and uh, yeah, as you say, Enid's delighted for her because um, she's looking to the future. We cut to the mountains where Jessica is lamenting the state of her relationship with Liz to James. And he asks, you know, how things were before uh, the recent tragedies. And she he uh, she gives us a, a nostalgic twin comparison. I like how we're getting twin comparisons from different people in the in these books. It's not like the narrator. It's yeah. actual characters. That's true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because she kind of reminisces about how wonderful things were before all this messiness, uh, how they were always each other's closest friends. And even though, you know, they might not have got along all the time, like it is genuinely just the twin description just coming out of Jessica's mouth this time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she mentions that, like, they look so much alike that their brother calls them clone one and clone two. But we're as different as two people can be. <laughs> it's like, Thank you, Jessica. This is very helpful. <laughs> and James is like, how are you different? It's like, oh, don't get her started, James. <laughs> Allow me to launch into my thesis. <laughs> and even unconvincingly, or maybe it's just that he has really gone too far with asking all the questions. Um, Jessica is starting to think it's a bit weird that he just wants to talk, listen to her talking about herself. Um, it's like, you can't possibly be interested in hearing me babble on for hours about myself. But James is like, I want to know everything about you. <laughs> and um, he's so amazing. She actually feels guilty about her uh, past crimes. Yeah, a rare, one of these rare little fleeting moments of guilt mm. uh, from Jessica. Uh, but she kind of, again, hardens against Liz and is like, this was all her fault. Um, so, yeah, James, like, is he's being very reassuring. And it is funny because anytime she does have, like, any kind of momentary doubts about how kind of unusual it is that all he does is listen to her talk about herself. She's just kind of appeased immediately by him going, yes, but you're amazing. And she's like, yeah, no, I am. You're right. Okay. <laughs> this is totally normal. <laughs> But she does say after she talks about how great she yeah, she and Liz were and they're her golden period before the the jungle prom days, uh, she says she doesn't recognize herself now. She's all sort of insecure and miserable. And he says uh, he's got a cure that's guaranteed to make her feel better. And he uh, he lures her up to a rocky outcrop through mm. the trees. <laughs> We come back to the beach and Liz is uh, possibly literally flying high. She's she's laying it on very thick, isn't she? About how wonderful everything is. Because literally it cuts back to Liz and Enid at the beach. And it's like, life is great, exclaimed Elizabeth. (laughs) Which is a really odd thing to just randomly (laughs) exclaim when you're hanging out with your friend. (laughs) Especially after you've just like... Been in a fatal car crash and um, been on trial for manslaughter. Like, yeah, like, you know, life is maybe looking better now than it was. But yeah, great is a bit uh, a bit of a sweeping statement for this, the state of things right now. Well, she praises Edith for all her support and then says, you know, the ordeal is over. I feel like a new person. And um, but she does think of Todd. And then we get some serious retcon about their moment at the dance. 
Oh God, at the end yeah. of the last book. Or sorry, the wedding at the end but, of the last book. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, because she's kind of saying how she was dancing with Todd and it seemed like everything was perfect and I thought he felt it too, but I guess I was wrong. He didn't say anything. He hasn't tried to talk to me at all. But like, yeah, at the end of the wedding, they danced. Then she kind of had a funny look on her face and just walked off because she yeah. was still kind of not really ready to forgive him or like you know deal with him basically because as far as she's concerned he still hasn't fucking apologized or tried to talk to her properly but yeah this kind of makes it sound different to how it was but like again consistency has just been absolutely lashed out the window like with these books so true yeah <laughs> so uh yeah she says well you know i guess uh at least he is good up with my sister anymore and mm-hmm. edith's basically like yeah what the fuck was up with that <laughs> <laughs> liz is like well, you know your guess is as good as mine but basically does say look at least jessica stopped acting like she totally hates me so you know i can just look to the future even mm. if i don't have a normal relationship with Jessica or Todd. Um, and then she starts getting scarily chirpy. So she's just talking about how she's estranged from her sister and her longtime boyfriend, but she smiles mischievously, wraps a towel around her wet head and starts singing, I'm gonna wash that man right out of my hair. Oh God. Yeah. Like she's, she doesn't seem well, does she? She seems a bit <laughs> manic day at the beach (laughs) well uh, Ina changes the subject and talk brings up yet another giant fiesta that's taking place you know nature is healing Sweet Valley is back to having ridiculously (laughs) elaborate parties on the regular so that's how you know things are going back to normal (laughs) because yes Olivia Davidson is currently throwing a costume ball uh, with with her creepy with her very creepy new boyfriend Harry that we I don't know met a couple of books ago after we have finally fucking ditched the Olivia and Nicholas are besties plot line Um, but yeah Harry is obviously still on the scene Uh, yeah so they're they're going having this big elaborate masquerade ball basically uh yeah like oh god but yeah enid uh, is gonna go as liz's date to it uh, yes because of course yeah they, they are both dateless you couldn't possibly attend a party at your home <laughs> yeah, like it- with your friends <laughs> you have to have they, they're like Noah's Ark animals they go mm-hmm. two by two wherever That's they it. go because yeah Hugh she is still going out with Hugh by the way but um, he has to go to his cousin's bachelor party mm. and uh, yeah they're they're impressed by the crazy stalker Harry like Edith says he does have a flair for the dramatic Olivia's lucky no guy has ever wanted to meet me enough to make up a phony arts foundation and invite me to speak in it just to get me to come to his house Good, Enid. That's a lucky <laughs> escape. <laughs> that was not a cute story. That was very worrying. <laughs> well, they joke about Liz, uh, you know, and Winston being Winston's plus one at, when Maria was away at uh, for the for the Fowler wedding, mm. and then we learn Winston has a has a free gaff this week. Yeah, his parents are away all week. They're going to visit his aunt or something uh yeah so apparently he's uh, gonna really be having a, a wild and crazy time as they put it <laughs> while he's on his todd in his in his house oh little does he know listeners hmm. and then eat it 
see something weird. <gasps> yes, the weirdest thing. <laughs> she spots a girl down the beach who she thinks was like staring straight at them and it really gave her the creeps. She says, maybe the sun's playing tricks on my eyes, but I could have sworn it was Jessica or you, except she had <gasps> dark hair. It was uncanny. Uh, and Liz is kind of like, oh, you know, it was. I'm sure it was nothing and you're imagining things. But at the same time, she does remember the recurring nightmare that she was yes. having back when she was being psychic about Margo, <laughs> like at the start of this ridiculous series. <laughs> she was fucking hearing trains <laughs> because the castle was suddenly beside the railroad tracks <laughs> and she was having dreams about this girl going to lakeside who looked like Jessica but like had this cold look in her blue eyes and then like stabbed her with a butcher knife uh, so yeah it was it was a nightmare that she'd had for weeks after the accident so it mm. does freak her out when she hears this but she does just kind of like push to the back of her mind and say look yeah it. you're obviously imagining things everything's fine uh this town isn't big enough for three wakefield twins like i'll say uh, <laughs> so they just kind of joke about having been out in the sun for too long but uh even though the noontime sun was warm but elizabeth shivered <gasps> and of course wasn't the girl in that spooky dream uh, did she not have gray eyes like margaret herself oh yeah well you know margot can change her eyes through sheer force of will. Oh, um, that's true. <laughs> as well as creating dimples <laughs> on her face. Her power knows no bounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she's not the only one with the uh, supernatural powers because Liz definitely, as well as her psychic dreams, she has a lot of sort of spooky feelings throughout oh this gosh. book. All like, the way through. But like for no good reason with whatever information that she has like constantly she's just like oh it was warm but it felt cold and oh something creepy is happening even though everything seems fine and oh the sun is a bit too bright all of a sudden it's like come on shut up none of this is real or is it (laughs) well we cut to the mountains where jessica has hiked up this uh this mountain pass mm. and it's the the view that James had promised. Apparently it's a special place and he's never shared it no, with anyone else. No one's been important enough to see this view <laughs> near Sreed Valley. Um, so there's a low stone wall and Jessica feels a bit dizzy as she looks over it into a, a crevasse. Uh, but James urges her to, um, to lean further and look right down because he sees a fawn. Uh, amid the trees below and Jessica leads basically feels like she's lying over the wall like with mm. her you know the top of her body out over the, the void over it. yeah and then she gets proper kind of where she go and uh, then she gets a bit of a shock she does she feels James's hand on her back but he kind of pulls her back from the wall I suppose she was kind of getting really dizzy and things were starting to get a bit spinny Uh, everything was sort of tilting wildly underneath her so it's like she had kind of like tipped down too far but was also just getting kind of disoriented so when he kind of pulls her back he's like oh you know you almost fell I had to grab you and she's a bit freaked out Mm. uh, and is really pale right after this and you know shit's going down when Wakefield's turn pale Um, even under a spectacular tan But James is like, you know, I'd never have let you fall. You know that. And Jess is like, yeah, yeah, no, I know you wouldn't. But also she can't she can't forget the fact that like the way his hand was on her back, it just yeah. didn't feel right or it didn't seem like he was trying to pull her back for those couple of seconds or yeah. split seconds or whatever it was. So she's just a bit weirded out hmm. by that little tableau that just uh, just happened. But she does. Uh, she, she sort of shakes off the freaked feeling hmm. and, uh, for now. And we cut to the Egbert house where Winston's enjoying the free gaff and its foodie delights. 
No parents around to be grossed out by a perfectly good peanut butter and sardine sandwich, oh, uh, he my. declares. <laughs> Hideous. Uh, oh. And then he yeah, saunters into the living room, puts his uh, feet up on the glass-topped coffee table uh, while lying down on the white couch and says, this is the life. This is going to be a truly <laughs> radical week. <laughs> it's 1994. He's allowed to say radical. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll allow it. And I am, I have to say, imagining TV Winston this entire oh this entire subplot i don't know what it is but it really feels like tv winston doesn't it like this whole thing there's a few little sort of moments of synergy in this that really Mm. relate to the most recent episode definitely Um, yeah the whole way through the storyline it just really felt like the tv show (laughs) to me Well, the doorbell rings and uh, it's the most irresponsible woman in Sweet Valley, which is saying something given Project Youth's hiring mean, practices. That is tough competition, but she is yeah. a front runner in this book for sure. Um, yeah. Social services should be called on this woman right oh, now. Jesus, like this is so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. This whole storyline is ridiculous. So oh. And unfortunately, we just have to roll with it. But yeah, so she's this like relatively new neighbor uh, in the area who she moved in a few weeks earlier and says to, she kind of talks a mile a minute as well. So Winston never really gets a chance to get a word in mm. at any point. Um, so she kind of, yeah, when, when he answers the door, she's like, oh, I've got a tremendous favor to ask you. And she kind of introduces herself saying she's just moved here and her husband and her are like renting a house around the corner. She kind of babbles on anyway, yeah. but says that, um, well, yeah, what is it? Her plane is leaving. She has to she has to leave, basically. Um, and she's already late and then explains <laughs> the absolutely ridiculous situation that she's in, which is that her husband is a journalist who's currently in Central America. And there's been one of those coups, you know, when they take over the government. <laughs> one of those coups. I mean, do you mean one of the ones sponsored by the CIA? The CIA. <laughs> Central America. My <laughs> thoughts, exactly. <laughs> You know, one of those American-sponsored CIA coups in a different country that you just fuck everything up. Ah, yeah, the usual. But anyway, so apparently her husband is trashed because the hotel was taken over by terrorists and his passport was in the room so that he's stuck in customs uh, and can't get back into the States. Uh, Oh, yeah, he was able to to get out of the hotel. um, Yes. But then he can't But all his stuff was all his stuff and paperwork was left behind. So he's he's stuck and can't can't leave the country now. Uh, So, yeah, so she's like, oh, you know, I thought I'd come over here because apparently she's met. Winston's mother a couple of times um, so she decides that Mrs Egbert is the perfect person to look after her baby daughter Daisy overnight uh, while she travels to this random Central American country that's never actually named to, oh, no. to, to bring her husband uh, his birth certificate so he'll he'll be allowed to leave the country um, so get yeah. the CIA to lend a hand they can to get about this is their fucking mess. But um, yeah, so the upshot of it is that she, there's this eight month, eight month old baby of hers that she basically oh, just like hands over to Winston and is like, okay, cool. Here's a bag of her stuff. Bye. <laughs> I'll be back yeah. tomorrow. Like he didn't even get to explain that his parents aren't there. Um, it's an absolute mess. Yeah. But this is my, one of my bugbears in any TV show or film where somebody you know, is misunderstood or sh- needs to say something to explain, mm. you know, they're the being given out yeah. to say or they're being told something and they could easily sort out any confusion by just forcing yeah. a word in. And they're just <laughs> yeah. like, but, 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 like, he needs to just start fucking speaking. You can, t- yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell yeah. he doesn't didn't grow up in a large family because we have no 
<laughs> way too open but like it's ridiculous that he lets this woman who is clearly wildly irresponsible if he is if she is handing over a baby to oh a gosh. teenage boy she doesn't know yeah it's like it's With, so without st- checking any adults are in the no. house this is the thing the whole thing is so stupid but yeah she is wildly irresponsible literally just hands this baby over to him and is out of there and Winston's yeah. left standing there going, what the fuck am I going to do now? Because yeah, it's like, before Winston knew what was happening, he was holding the warm, squirming thing. That's a very nice way to describe baby. <laughs> Sounds really gross, doesn't it? <laughs> and, uh, and also, I mean, if anyone, anyone knows who has looked after a baby, um, the first time, even the first time I looked after my nephew on my own entirely, um, and I had known him since the day he was born. <laughs> he lost his fucking rag and just <laughs> screamed and screamed. And I had to walk him around Dublin city centre for oh, like God. an hour, two hours <laughs> until his his parents came back. Like they tend not to be, especially at eight months, they're not great about being with strangers yeah. a lot of the time. And and as you say, not even strangers. Like like aunties and uncles are still like yeah. weird enough, quite familiar yes. enough when all they're used to is like mom and dad or whoever their parents are. Like yeah. so it's yeah, look, this is also basically the way Prince Albert is a cartoon dog, Daisy is kind of a cartoon baby. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> she is. So just picture TV Winston holding an animated baby. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, an old school animated baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Isn't it? It's like that is what this whole storyline is. I kind of like this uh, storyline better now I'm seeing sort of Roger Rabbit kind of Exactly that baby, but as a baby yes. and not the like old timey gangster that he actually with is. The cigar. With the cigar. <laughs> no, so that, that baby, would... that baby in baby mode and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, she's gone. Mrs. S- uh, Svonchenko has mm. got off to the airport, and um, Winston should call social services, but he does not. So we cut to James's gaff, and he's on the phone to Margot, <laughs> or at least Mandy, as he knows, because <laughs> he keeps thinking this. You know, how much is this Mandy girl keeping from me? If Mandy was a real name, and he keeps doing that, where like he'll be talking to Margot, and he'll be like, he'll call her Mandy, and in his head go, if that is your real name, and but, he keeps doing it. but also he's beginning to have doubts about that. She always seems startled when he used it. Like Marco, how many <laughs> fake names do you have? You should be don't freak out. Should be like, huh? Who is that? When somebody addresses you as one of them. This is because she always seems to pick names that start with an M, if not an yeah. MA. It's like you're obviously using names that are not a million miles away from your own one, and yet you're still surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she's uh, she's surprised and unimpressed by James. Um, says, "I hired you to go out with Jessica because I need you. I need to know everything there is to know about the Wakefield twins, especially Elizabeth. I mean, why didn't you want her to get together with Elizabeth then? To make more sense. I mean, truly, yes. <laughs> but he uh, he thinks this Mandy is one weird chick, but he can deal with her. He told himself the grid dating a gorgeous blonde wasn't exactly combat duty and we're told he'd handled enough of these kind of jobs to what? know not to ask, ask too many questions what sort of jobs seem like a gigolo I mean 
up until now it seemed like he was a dirt bike racer but like professionally because he yeah. was you know kind of like derisive of like going on Jessica's little charity one in the last yeah. book or you know that that was below him basically because he's he's a he's a bigger league player than that uh and now he just randomly takes on these weird <laughs> cash jobs to question mark <laughs> something to do with girls I don't know. <laughs> well he's done many of these jobs before apparently <laughs> Well, he reassures Mandy that Jessica is like putty in his hands and he tells about uh, what happened yesterday in the mountains. Mm. He says he was trying to see if she trusts him completely and she does. Uh, But, you know, she thinks I was trying to save her, but I could have killed her if I wanted to. And Margot goes, let's leave that to the experts because again, she has no chill. She keeps just blurting stuff out and it's like, Margot, (laughs) we're rooting for you so hard. You just need to keep up your end of the bargain and be even a like four percent more chill please <laughs> well he tells Margot that jessica seems to like acts as if she feels guilty about sam's death and Margot's like that doesn't make sense jessica wakefield doesn't strike me as having enough backbone to kill anybody and uh james like heck no jessica's a sweet kid they do not know her at all Oh my god, like not in the slightest. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're kind of both trying to figure out what this weird guilt is about. Uh but as well the fact that James refers to her as a sweet kid, Margo's like, what's this sweet kid stuff? You're not starting to like her, are you? <laughs> Remember who's two grand you're working for, James? I can be very <laughs> tough on employees who get their priorities mixed up. <laughs> uh, well, James doesn't like her hard boiled attitude, but then uh he's he, he doesn't give a, a sassy comeback because he initially thinks nobody threatens me and gets away with it. But then he's like, oh yeah, but uh, she's going to pay me. So apparently people do get away with it. Oh yeah. Like that's the thing. Cause, like, again, all the way through this book, he does get suspicious about what Margot's actually up to and like, it does kind of slightly start to worry about Jessica and say, like, God, you know, what is this whole thing I've gotten into? But also that two grand is pretty fucking sweet. So I'm just going to carry on as if nothing's different. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, apparently Margot is obsessed with the mystery of the jungle prom and she wants mm. to know all about that night. And uh, she says, I hear Elizabeth was a total freak. Not the <laughs> usual Miss Goody Two-Shoes act. <laughs> and nobody's sure why she was with her sister's boyfriend. I want all the dirt. Um, so uh, she says if Jessica does have something to feel guilty about I want to know what it is mm-hmm. and James is smug and he's like I better get it fast another few dates with me and Jessica won't even remember Sam's name <laughs> really? okay <laughs> but also confident. like he is very confident and he also does seem to be kind of into Jessica and yet he also did like almost try to murder her on a ravine just to see if he could and it was like he's a very confusing character is James he's not a very consistent guy (laughs) well speaking of people who aren't consistent uh Marco asks about the twins relationship with Ned and Alice and James says well Jessica clearly loves them we see that Margot's obsession with Alice is reaching tatty mule proportions Oh my god, yes, she's she starts talking about Alice and like her voice takes on a quiet, dreamy quality. Isn't Alice Wakefield the most beautiful, perfect mother? She's warm, loving, and protective. And even James is like, she sounds obsessed. What is happening here? But like, yeah, she's like, you know, she should never let someone hurt her daughters. Isn't that right, James? Isn't that what Jessica says about her mother? But the best thing is, is that she raises her voice an octave. 
active when she says that. Oh so gosh. she started going from anything at all, anything at all. <laughs> Isn't that right, James? <laughs> Oh, God. Like, if anyone could hear them, and like everyone can hear Margot because she's now basically yelling about Alice Wakefield being perfect. Like, please stop trying to blow your cover. Well, James is understandably freaked out and mm. uh, by Margot's uh, craziness, and uh, but he covers his emotions and says uh, the Wakefields, you know, are, are this perfect family until this recent mess. Mm. Um, and Marco, in a distracted voice, says, good, very good. But then has an announcement. It's time to start the next phase. Yeah, I don't know why she's telling James so much either. It's like she, yes. she keeps spilling her plan to him. And it's like, Marco, all you need from this guy, like this is a one way street. All you want from him <laughs> is information on Jessica. So I don't know why she tells him anything. But again, oh, my God. Who are we to question Marco and her ways? Uh, But yes, she reveals the next phase of her plan is that she's going to get a job in the Project Youth Daycare Centre, which is called Little Darling's Daycare. It's pretty close to Calico Drive, so she reckons it'd be a good place to learn more about the people in Sweet Valley because kids talk and I have ways of getting them to talk to me. But I mean, why does she think this is a good idea? Of all the places to find out about the Wakefields, you're going to... Daycare full of small kids hmm. who, you know, none of them seem to have siblings even who are friends with the Wakefields. It's like <laughs> one of them, it turns out, lives on the road. But like, you know, you, you don't get a job in Casey's. You don't get a job in the Dairy Burger. Like those seem to be the really obvious places that you'd go. But then it's like, but, you know, seeing as she has the literal Wakefield face, allegedly, mm. would they be too high profile of a spot for like her to be recognized? I don't know. Is it just that kids wouldn't, might not make the the connection? I don't know. But one of them does. Well, she does. That's true. Yeah. 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 Anyway, James, like us, uh, doesn't know what she's talking about, but (laughs) he thinks maybe this wasn't such an easy way to earn $2,000 after all. Oh, my God. Well, we cut to the casa down Wakefield, where Alice wants to talk to Jessica, who thinks it's about her maths or work, and she gets all defensive about how much studying she's been doing. But uh, Alice said, I didn't come in to criticise your study habits. And Jessica's truly on old Jessica forum, because she says, you mean I wasted all that humility for no reason? (laughs) Yeah, but it turns out Alice just wants to ask her about uh, her hike with James the other day, because she seemed a bit upset when she got home. So... Jessica's like oh no it was nothing I just leaned too far over the edge of a mountain and almost fell off but James caught me in plenty of time apparently she's very flippant about this but when she's thinking about it it does kind of start to like creep her out a little bit um so her mom like Alice in fairness she is kind of gone back into somewhat reasonable parenting mode mm, yeah <laughs> because uh you know the bar is on the floor with these two however it but really look, is. she's making an effort uh because she just lets jess know that look that her and ned are a little concerned because she's been through such a terrible time and they don't want to see her hurt again so they're worried she might be moving a little fast with james mm. uh because i suppose he's older as well so he's 18 yeah. uh, apparently and they're like yeah but he doesn't go to school and jess is like well he graduated last year so he's i'm sure he's saving up for money because like jess doesn't know anything about james I mean, the fact <laughs> that he rides dirt bikes um but yeah so i think alice is basically saying look just don't have sex with him <laughs> is the gist yes. uh, and jess insists that he's a perfect gentleman and she has nothing to worry about so uh, mm. then Alice is like, okay, well, that's all fine then. So (laughs) she helps her with her homework and uh, yeah, it's all good. We cut to the boarding house and Margot has another one of her headaches. 
We're told she'd been having these headaches for some time now. Ever since she started hearing the voices that spoke only to her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she tells herself to think of nice things. And we learn she wears the contacts around the fucking house. Like... Uh what i don't know what she's doing uh but yeah she's just wearing them all the time now it seems like uh yeah. which is lunacy like but anyway that's what that's what she's doing um so she yeah she's when margot's version of thinking about things that make her happy uh that means when she burns <laughs> alive in the yes. manky house in long island basically and she's like yeah that was a good time <laughs> yeah she's uh she's 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 smiling triumphantly, and um, she's um, she's slightly inconsistent here because she's um, she thinks how um, she can set a goal that I can reach it without any help from anyone. I mean, I would read the Margot self help book. You know, just, she's <laughs> she's goal orientated. She sets true. them. She reaches them. She does. She gets results. You know. Yeah. <laughs> her but, her uh, methods are definitely unconventional, but she gets there. <laughs> Well, she thinks of how killing Georgie gave her a sense of accomplishment. So she's very proud of that. But then she announces gleefully, it was too easy. Just once I'd like a worthy opponent. (laughs) And then the voice in her head says, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) And the voice carried a tone of warning. Yeah, the the voice is, is doing more, I feel like, in this book than it ever has previously. Mm. Like, she's actually in conversation nearly with the voice, more <laughs> so than before. <laughs> and we're just delighted it's here. <laughs> oh, so happy. I mean, I cannot believe we had to sit through a whole book without the voice. No voice. Like, oh. we were robbed of plenty of voice action, I'm sure. We really were. But, uh, yeah, Margot knows that whatever the voice might say, she can beat Josh and that she'll triumph as Liz. And she's sure that the Wakefield's living room wasn't painted orange, which she has a real thing about, because apparently the Foster family's sitting room was painted orange. Doesn't sound that bad. Um, and uh, then we get a wigs within wigs moment. <laughs> she's because... like a drag queen. It's wig reveal after wig reveal. It really is. Because <laughs> I was so confused about this at first. Because she she frowns at her raven-haired reflection in the mirror. And I told this was her natural hair colour. And I was like, yeah, but didn't she dye her hair? Then it's like, before she'd lightened it. For this is a wig. Yeah, so so she is wearing the contact lenses around all the time now. But she's also now wearing a wig that's her actual hair colour to conceal her newly blonde hair. Um, like yeah it's it's ridiculous so yeah she takes off the wig yanks out all these bobby pins and like watches entranced as her own hair is swung loose around her face as golden as california sunshine and i'm sorry that hair is yellow and like straw because absolutely not Marley. you are not going from black hair to blonde without absolutely fucking up that head of hair of yours like a diy bleach job absolutely not in the fucking sink of a boarding house bathroom But I mean, we did actually. They did make some concessions to like, oh, her hair was starting to lighten in the sun, like in the last. Even book. black hair starting to lighten in the sun. This is it because they decided suddenly it was brown hair and it was starting oh, to lighten on. in the sun, and the dye would just kind of finish the job out. It's like no, 
But then again, she can also like manifest a dimple for herself. Uh, and her eyes were changing colors before she ever got near contact. So as, as some listeners have pointed out, clearly she can also just change her hair color by just thinking about it hard enough. Fair, fair. Okay, I, I'd stand uh, corrected in front of Margot's superior to magical powers. <laughs> She's like one of the girls in the craft. She's just constantly doing glamours on her own hair. <laughs> Now, that would be a crossover I'd like to see. Here you go. Oh my God, imagine Nancy versus Margot. Holy shit. Write oh. <laughs> that fanfic, listeners. <laughs> we need it. Well, Margot, uh, no, she needs to look like Elizabeth, not Jessica. And that can only mean one thing. Barrette's baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. She uh, she smiles as she holds her hair back above her ears as if she was going to hold them in place with barrettes. And she thinks she looked exactly like Elizabeth. Of course, this was still too soon to become Elizabeth. Mm. But it was just about time to create Marla Field. Fucking great. I do enjoy <laughs> that she's gone with Field as a surname here, much oh, like Jessica yeah. with her Jessa Fields uh, face. Yes great <laughs> she's having fun with the surnames uh, in this one and uh, you ain't heard nothing yet oh listeners there is a headline name to come <laughs> <laughs> it's better than you could possibly imagine if you have not reread or read this book in anticipation of this episode um but yeah she turns to the bed where uh, as mentioned earlier she has spread out her her wares her entire <laughs> <laughs> disguise rage and she chooses a brown curly wig and a pair of big glasses the tinted kind that turn darker in sunlight and apparently she's already collecting copies of the clothes she'd seen both the twins wearing how much was that old lady carrying in her bag when she strangled her because Marco has unlimited funds. She does. She is splashing the cash. I mean, she is doing a bit of shoplifting here and there as well, though. So maybe she's just oh, making all true. the bits. Um, yeah. But, but she we do also... learn later on she has spent a shitload of money on something. That is true. Yeah. Well, mm. she did pawn all that jewellery. <gasps> oh, so she did. So she yeah. had some cash, I know. Yeah. yeah. You know, and she, <laughs> she famously ate absolutely nothing except for like maybe one bar of chocolate <laughs> on a bus ride that took about four days. <laughs> When she wasn't angrily throwing sandwiches out the window. I was going to say, she certainly didn't eat any sandwiches. <laughs> For sure. Sandwiches in the colour orange. Just don't even bring them up around her. Go, she will stab a bitch. <laughs> well, uh, she's not going to wear her Wakefield lookalike clothes for this job because apparently Marla Field will wear gauze skirts and loose cotton tops. Nothing like uh, Margot on the cover. Um, apparently it'd be inconspicuous and different mm. enough from either Wakefield to discourage comparison. So she's... Uh, She's uh, gets an outfit. She lays out an outfit for her job interview the next morning, and hmm. we discover that she has rented a typewriter to write the most camp fake reference ever. Oh my god, this is amazing! She, <laughs> like, again, she's just like talking out loud to herself, and as she's typing away, she's like rave reviews for Miss Marla Field, age twenty, from her former employer. <laughs> just like reads occasional passages out loud, and it's like. <laughs> Eight-year-old Georgie will never have another babysitter like her. She touched all of our lives forever. Georgie loved her inventive games and picnics at the lake. Even taught him how to swim. Margot chuckled at that line. I'd highly recommend Marla for any job that involves taking care of children. I take care of them, all right. 
my notes here just say I love this crazy bitch oh stunning she's iconic like it's so I'm so into Margot she's great <laughs> I love how she's basically like if any suspicion or anything comes up that links her to um to like the murders she's just leaving a massive fucking paper trail it's like in joke filled reference (laughs) she's having way too much fun with this reference letter I was kind of surprised she's literally using the actual names of like people in the family where she murdered their kid it's like what are you doing Marco make up you're so good at fake names just make up more fake names for this I mean listeners do tell us I would have thought that an eight-year-old being drowned by the nanny would have made national news Mm. in uh in the 90s but um maybe not uh because yeah as you say like she's using she's forging the signature of Mrs of Sheila Smith her employer um and she's sure that uh, this time tomorrow she'd have a job at Little Darling's daycare. And she was sure the Little Darlings would be quite helpful in relaying information on the Wakefields and the other families of Sweet Valley, California. Why? They're about fucking six. All the kids in that house know that that's, that turns out to be the, the Wakefields' neighbour knows. It's like that they've got a dog called Prince Albert. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> I know, is it that she thinks kids won't get suspicious if she asks them loads of questions or something? I'm still not sure what her reasoning is here. Oh, it but... makes no sense. Considering no. how she t- behaves with these children is incredibly <laughs> suspicious and <True>. threatening. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> anyway, she, she looks at herself in the mirror and thinks Elizabeth's blonde hair and blue eyes were her. Now those eyes glinted with a cold, intense light. Her life will be yours, whispered the voice inside her brain. Her life will be mine, whispered Margo. Oh, yes. uh, So good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we cut to Little Darlings, where Margo is talking to boss Mrs. Waverly and is basically doing the same act she was just doing in that reference just like reveling in some little in jokes pretty much yeah just reenacting it um she's just gas uh yeah just going on about how much she loves kids and uh so rewarding when they look at you with those innocent eyes and as i think it was laura kate diva <laughs> ahead of time just sent on a screenshot of uh margo talking about uh, how this woman is an old bag and she's eating out of the palm of my hand <laughs> she put it um all i have to do is smile a lot and wax poetic about this sniveling little carpet slugs <laughs> so mean margo but also carpet slug it's like that sounds kind of nice like just yeah, kind of hanging cute. out rolling around on the carpet yeah. like that sounds very peaceful I could I could roll with that <laughs> well Mrs. Waverly says I just love watching small children play with matches Margo almost <laughs> replies aloud come on Margo Oh my god like yes why does she keep working with children when she hates them so much <laughs> and also is very bad at showing her true feelings about them she's so funny but still no one seems to suspect anything with her like oh. at least no one no one from the outside of like the core sweet valley gang ever seems to have any suspicions about mm. her Every, she just yeah it's like oh she's a master manipulator uh so yeah she's uh 
she's just charming this Mrs. Waverly lady who is desperate for workers apparently and very short staffed so she wants to know if she can start the following morning um, but she's going to have to ring Mrs. Smith of course uh, for her reference so Margot and again wildly <laughs> it seems like Margot has actually given <laughs> Sheila Smith's actual fucking number on this thing because she it's like Margot thought fast and like explains that the Smiths are out of the country because she's uh, looking for Victorian jewellery in England and she's an antique dealer and all this and she'll be home in three weeks and Mrs. Waverly's like well there's no reason why we should hold up your employment <laughs> on a technicality we'll start you tomorrow as a temporary employee and when I call Mrs. Smith in three weeks we'll make you permanent will that be all right she's like do you want to check with the kids parents if that's all right she goes oh, what the fuck Waverly what kind of clown show daycare are you running here that you're not even doing the most basic of vetting of people who are now put in charge of small children I mean I, I, I guess it, it's of a, you know, fits in with the general vibe of Project Youth where they have people counselling vulnerable teenagers God, with like an hour awesome. and a half of training or whatever it was. Very true, yeah. <laughs> well, Margot thinks uh, three weeks is fine because by the time Mrs. Waverley found out that the Smith number was phony, oh, that's what it is, but she's still like... That oh, sorry, been, okay, yeah. They could have rung that number then and there. And yeah. what would you do, Margo? But yeah. um, she was also, by the way, startled when um, Mrs. Waverly said she was going to have to ring about the references. Like, do you know how references work, Mark? Who? Come on, oh. girl. <laughs> but she says, uh, yes, by then, Margo and Marla would be long gone from Little Darling's daycare. And the Wakefield family would have... A new Elizabeth. Oh my God. <laughs> this one wouldn't have a perm. <laughs> oh God, brilliant. But meanwhile, Elizabeth is walking home from school. And again, I guess it's because she feels Margot making her next, uh, the next stage in her, in her plan. She has a, suddenly has a weird sort of spooky feeling. But then Jessica pulls up and offers her a lift and... Liz feels her tension melt away. Yeah, and again, the Jeep is here. Uh, oh my God, the cons- <laughs> inconsistency about this Jeep is driving me insane. It's crazy what the crack is with this Jeep. Uh, because yeah, <laughs> apparently Jessica has just been bopping around in the Jeep ever since this horrible accident. Apparently it had been in the repair shop for some time. Uh-huh. Uh, and the Jeep had been Jessica's domain since that terrible night. Like, first of all, why would she even want to be anywhere near the Jeep that her boyfriend died in? Makes no sense. None. And also... There was a whole fucking big deal about how the Jeep was a write-off in a previous book and Jess had been yes. driving Alice's car. Yes! <laughs> and now suddenly the Jeep is back in action and apparently has been the whole time. Like, I'm just, I'm really hung up on this Jeep nonsense. <laughs> I know, me too. It, but uh, anyway. Also... <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes, Jessica's offering Elizabeth a lift. <laughs> and they actually have a conversation. Like, Jessica asks if she's okay. And she's like, oh, I know, it's a bit strange to be back in the Jeep again. It's like, you fucking think. Um, but then Jessica tries to kind of be normal. She's like, oh, it's pretty boring driving home alone. Nobody to complain about as the latest pop quiz in French class. And Liz sort of grins at her hmm. and says, oh, I'm glad I'm good for something. You know, Liz Wakefield's punching bag, sounding board and complaint department. I mean, that's yeah. slightly passive aggressive, but still it's taken in good faith. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the same thing. But uh, but yeah, apparently this is all fine. Um, And yeah, Jessica's kind of trying to to be normal as well and kind of asks her about what she's going to wear to Olivia's party. Um, But yeah, yeah, Liz says she doesn't know. She hasn't decided yet or needed to try to think of something cool. Uh, and then, yeah, Jess apparently hasn't decided on hers either, but reveals that Amy is going to be Cleopatra. 
yes. But after that, the chat fizzles out. And Liz mm. is frustrated. But then they finally have an actual breakthrough. Like, she takes a deep, Liz takes a deep breath and says, how have things been with you? And Jessica glance, turns to her looking grateful and says, okay. And Liz realizes that Jessica has wanted to break through this awkwardness mm. and says, you know, she feels better about herself since she got together with James. And um, Liz <sighs> says, look, you don't have anything to feel bad about. Um, but Liz, Jessica finally says, don't blame yourself. The accident wasn't your fault. And, Liz says that you thank you. You're the one person I really wanted to hear from. Hmm. Um, but I have to take some responsibility. And then Jessica almost confesses again. Yeah, this is it. Because Liz is, you know, blaming herself, saying that, you know, if I was drinking, I had no business driving. I should have known. And then Jessica's like, you'd no way of knowing. And she kind of stops herself. And of course, Liz wonders what she was going to say, because there's even like a flash of guilt in Jessica's eyes. Um, But Liz is like, well, what would she have to blame herself for? And can't really figure out what the story is. And that maybe Jessica's just feeling guilty about dating Todd right after. Um, But again, that just makes her think about Todd and how, you know, everything is over there. And now she's just going to focus on trying to improve things between her and Jessica. Yeah. And because, of course, there's a psychic twin connection, <laughs> Jessica uh, basically says, you think about Todd. And Liz says that she's through with him and she forgives Jessica. She says, I'm not mad anymore about you and Todd. And she actually admits to herself that she was kind of a bit, but she'll get over it. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's still a bit awkward. So they, they then just change the subject and start talking about Winston and his free gaff. And Jessica, sure, he's having the time of his life. But he is not. No, No, because he's dealing with Daisy, uh, trying to change Nappy. Um, Apparently he's done this at least five times since yesterday. But like, that does not seem like enough Nappy changing for a small baby. That baby's been there like 24 hours. (laughs) And also, they've run out of formula. So she's just giving the baby milk. Like, I don't know what he is feeding this baby, but it's a miracle. Well, this baby this is baby will be shitting all over the like it's <laughs> this is going to be bad like this baby is barely on solids truly and... this, like the baby's put on apple juice at some point oh and i was just God. like oh that seems like a terrible idea <laughs> <laughs> baby just crawling across the ceiling buzzing off her head on sugar <laughs> well uh yeah apparently mrs uh, Vichenko only left in a formula for one night and he says why did i let your wacky mother talk me into this daisy i mean you literally didn't say a word in protest, but it was quite frustrating. And he's out of uh, his depth. Um, mm. He says, um, you know, I'm sorry, Vergrash. I just don't do babies. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Daisy kicks his glasses off. But then they kind mm. of bond. They do a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she's kind of like babbling away in like mm. cartoon baby talk, uh, yeah. matching Winston's tone, apparently, when he's just said something. It's like, yeah, OK, come on now, lads. Mm. But uh, yeah, they kind of. Yeah, he kind of has like nice little moments with her. She grabs his finger and he's like, no, oh, okay, that's actually kind of cute. Uh, but the doorbell rings and he's like scrambling around the place now because he doesn't have his glasses on. There's stuff all over the calf, like the place is in an absolute mess and there's a baby there. Yes. <laughs> so he's trying to sort out the place before uh, before anybody comes in because he's, yeah, he's managing to keep this a secret at first, which again, makes absolutely no sense. Nothing no about sense. this makes sense. No. Uh, but it turns out it's Maria at the door and he can hear her calling him and she's just like, I know you're in there. Is everything okay? What's going on? So he's kind of running around the place uh trying to get the place sorted he ends up putting daisy into like a press by the door yes. <laughs> and he does like you know bundle up a coat. Sort of. he, yeah but he just kind of like put a coat like in a little 
nest or something and then kind of puts her into that and then closes the door. <laughs> Daisy seems chill enough about it anyway, but uh, he oh. answers the door to Maria and kind of tries to get rid of her, but she's not really having it. Um, So she just walks in and it's just like, what is that smell? What's going on in here? And then she can hear gurgling and, you know, a baby in the press. And she's like, yes. what? is this well you'd think she'd be like what is this but apparently straight away she's on her knees cuddling the baby and babbling softly instead of being like Winston what the fuck is this baby doing this baby, baby is this? straight away she's just like oh baby amazing and weirdly every girl has this reaction all oh, the way through this so nobody's like annoying. Winston what the fuck is going on here we need to tell an adult like so all the way I, through this I was just like somebody please fucking talk to an adult so maybe oh, this is also why it feels like a TV show because there are no yes, adults basically that's true <laughs> I, I have to say though there was one bit that I did find quite funny um, when Winston is when he read the, the house trying to find somewhere to you know stash Daisy <laughs> for the moment where he, he we we're told he eyed a large empty vase on the mantle but rejected <laughs> the idea she'd never fit <laughs> baby in a vase brilliant <laughs> And Geddes could never. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, by the way, Winston, when he says he wants to keep it a secret, he's like, me changing diapers. If anyone found out, I'd be the laughing stock of Sweet Valley High. And like a big chunk of this Winston story seems to be based on the idea it would be hilarious for a boy to be looking after a baby. Mm. And I think of all the things that have dated, that's one of the things that have dated the most. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, all the girls love babies and the boys are all like, I can't change a diaper. <laughs> what would everyone think? Like, okay, yeah. come on now. <laughs> Can we all just relax? Somehow all the girls are inexplicably good at changing oh, nappies. They're all incredible. They all like, yeah, straight away go into like mam mode and are perfect at changing nappies. Like people like, like, I mean, this is going to come up, but like Amy Sutton apparently yeah. is Who doesn't incredible. have a little sibling or anything. No, there's no reason for Amy Sutton to know how to change nappies so expertly. And yet she's in there <laughs> just like firing them around the place and sorting out this baby in like the blink of an eye. And it's just like, sorry, now, where is this coming from? <laughs> well, we cut to downtown's down, downtown Sweet Valley. And Josh is dazzled by the locals. We're told young people, their clothing is colourful as the feathers of parrots laughed and talked as they stroll along the sidewalks. Oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> but despite this perfect facade, Josh knows something is wrong. <gasps> yes, he uh, he can't bear the thought of this lovely town becoming another site of Margot's murder and vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> so he vows to stop her. <laughs> if it's the last thing he did. We cut to Little Darlings and a Little Darling called Angie Amadi, who says that Margot looks strangely familiar. <gasps> yeah, she says uh, she looks like two girls that live on our street. She lives on Calico Drive uh, <gasps> and that these girls look just like each other and just like you too, except they have straight yellow hair and you have curly brown hair. Margot's all like, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> And uh, Angie tells her about Prince Albert and how she's allowed pet him when they take him for a walk. Well, that must happen like once a year. <laughs> and um, she also tells Margot about uh, Ned and Alice splitting up briefly. And Margot's like, oh, it's all, you know, more for my special folder of facts. <laughs> but she tells Angie this talk will be their secret. Uh, can you keep a secret? And Angie's like, I think so. 
You think so? Marco asked sharply. <laughs> Do you know what happens to little girls who can't keep secrets? And Marco was just like reveling in, in this uh, child's terror. Moment. Well, that's how, that's what she loves. She feeds off the terror of children. Uh, yes, because she explains that uh, little girls who can't keep secrets. Oh yeah, because Angie mentioned that she is a cat. She's like, sometimes their kittens get drowned. <laughs> But if they tell a really important secret, little girls can get all burned up. <laughs> so naturally, and Angie is fucking terrified and she's like, I won't tell anyone, I promise. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Margaret then switches up and she's like, oh, we're going to be great friends. So yeah, poor Angie is probably traumatized from this interaction today. <laughs> well, Marco says aloud to no one in particular, <laughs> Aren't kids wonderful? I think I've gotta like it here. It's oh. like, how has she not been caught? <laughs> well, if Liz is just breaking into show tunes, then maybe Margot can too, and just nobody bats an eyelid <laughs> in general in this town. <laughs> well, we cut to the Casadale Wakefield. It's like old times. <gasps> yeah, Liz is looking to, or Jess is looking to borrow Elizabeth's uh, new sweater. Apparently it matches their eyes because uh, she's going out with James and she has nothing to wear. So it's all very back to the way things were. Mm. Um, but yeah, she also mentions then that apparently Lila is having a lot of people over on Saturday afternoon before Olivia's party. Mm. Uh, and Liz is like, yeah, yeah, she invited me through Enid of all people. And Jessica's like, she did through Enid. Right. <laughs> And they're both like, yeah, no. <laughs> Pretty weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think is it that Liz kind of suspects that uh, hers and Jessica's friends have kind of been working behind the scenes to try and get the twins back on good terms or at yeah. least in the same room because uh, everyone's just kind of like going through it when, you know, if the twins aren't talking to each other, nobody's happy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, they are the, you know, barometers of everyone's hmm. mood. So They are the linchpins of every social gang mm. in Sweet Valley. <laughs> Well, Liz tells Jessica that, you know, she wasn't planning on going. She didn't think Jessica would want her there. But Jessica says she'd really like it if, if Liz came. And they, they have a nice little moment. Mm. So Jessica runs off to meet James. And Liz looks wistfully after them and says aloud, they're all talking to themselves today this week. And I'm <laughs> delighted. Great. She says, I'm happy for her. Really, I am. But I'd like to go out with someone special too. And then she's like, not Todd. He blew it. He proved he doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Well, we cut um, to the Dairy Burger, where Jessica's uh, mood is, has been lifted by this, you know, nice old school uh, badinage with Jessica. Mm. And then she almost gives herself away. Because she says, I thought yeah. I'd never be, we'd never be close again. Uh, yes, because- I was I was so angry and I felt so bad about what I did. And again, just stops herself and is like, I just felt so bad. Uh, and of course, James is hanging on every word here. Uh, but yeah, she kind of tries not to think about what she'd done, about how she had secretly spiked Elizabeth's drink, because I was <laughs> we're just picking up this book. You're just like, what the fuck did she do? <laughs> well, um, she says that she and Liz have a special bond and sometimes they even pick up on each other's thoughts. And he's like, like, telepath- telepathy. She's like, not exactly. Just a feeling I get sometimes that Elizabeth is in trouble. Like the time she was kidnapped. <laughs> and James is like impressed by the fact that Jessica has like twin psychic powers or whatever. He does not seem surprised to ask any questions about the fact that Elizabeth was kidnapped. Uh, yeah, I mean, they barely bring it up themselves as a family, so <laughs> maybe it's not important for Margot to know about that either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's not asking as many questions as he usually does. And he is attentive, but um, 
you know, Jessica's a bit confused by the fact he sort of changed his approach, which mm. <laughs> apparently he was just, you know, cut submitting her to a barrage of questions so uh, she tells herself she knows she loves he loves her and she has nothing to worry about but she she asks if he's okay and she's not sure she believes his answer yeah he kind of just says that he's a bit tired and just says look we'll just call it an early night and i've got an early practice tomorrow but she feels like james is lying so yeah because he was more distant than usual definitely yeah. uh, on this date uh so she just kind of feels yeah like maybe something is up mm. Well, we cut back to the Castell Wakefield where Liz is at a loose end and finds herself doing laundry and her old doormat ways uh, resurface because she decides, oh, well, she might as well wash some of Jessica's stuff too. And um, she sort of, she speaks aloud again and tells her reflection, <laughs> old habits die hard with a little <laughs> smile. And she reaches down under Jessica's bed and slips her hand under a stack of Ingenue magazines or Ingenue's back (laughs) to yank out uh, some jumper of hers that Jessica covered in in ketchup and then underneath quite a garment which I'm sure you'll describe later (laughs) she finds something yes so she lifts an envelope off the floor and she's about to like toss it in with a load of papers on Jessica's desk when she realizes that that is her name that's on the <gasps> envelope and it's dated two weeks earlier and the handwriting was Todd's so thankfully <gasps> this letter we're not done uh, with it so she reads the letter and is in bits because of course it's all wonderful and from Todd and him talking about how beautiful sights make him think of her and uh, she's crying when she reads it and she's like oh my god Todd still loves me he always loved me and he wants to know if I forgive him uh, and like in the letter Todd mentions about how you know we've wasted so much time and I've been too blinded by pride and jealousy and anger uh, and just you know I don't blame you if you never want to see me again but basically it's like the reconciliation letter that she never got yeah uh, so she knows now that Todd had never stopped loving her and she realizes she never stopped loving him but now of course she realizes Jessica had betrayed her uh by keeping this letter from her and she's like well why the fuck would she do this so she's just really upset and it's quite the mix of emotions I suppose that of like the relief mm. that Todd still loves her but also the fact that Jessica really fucked her over once again <laughs> Um, yes, and she sobs because of so much love, so much wasted time. Now, bear in mind, this letter was dated two weeks, two weeks. earlier. <laughs> you would think this is like 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> but the way both of them go on about this throughout this book, oh, yeah. you would think that it was like, oh, how did we waste so much time? 14 whole days. It's like it's two weeks and you're 16. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> Also, the waste of time was Todd not even writing that fucking letter mm-hmm. until about like two months after the accident. So, also you know, yeah. he's not the worst person here. <laughs> we got to Kelly's, which is suddenly not good enough for Sir James. Yeah, he's walking through it and like sidesteps a drunk who was dancing by himself. And it's like, well, he sounds like he's just minding his own business and having a nice time. Uh, But James is like, what a sleazy place. And it's like, yeah, this is the place that you come to. And the barman literally knows your name. So what's with the attitude, James? (laughs) Yeah, we're told he hung out there for at least a year. But after an hour with a clean, light-filled dairy burger, this place felt like an alien planet. Maybe I am going uptown, James mused to himself, wondering (laughs) if that was good or bad. And then Margot uh, beckons him over and she freaks him out. 
Yeah, she kind of, the way she kind of gets him to come over is a gesture that's pure Jessica. And then when she talks to him, she she's talking to him like Jessica because she does a very Jessica-like pout and says, I got out of cheerleader practice positively ages ago. <laughs> and James is really freaked because he's like, this could actually be Jessica. She even sounds like her. And apparently she's wearing like a tight, bring, a tight bright pink tank top that looked just like when Jessica had worn a few days earlier. So he's kind of starting to twig that she's also wearing the same clothes and also she is fucking identical to these twins anyway <laughs> but yeah and again he's like cut the crap mandy actually cut the crap is quite a harsh phrase for oh sweet valley God, isn't, isn't it that i'm reading it out i'm like god that's not that's not the usual kind of thing you'd hear even hardened criminals don't talk like that in sweet valley <laughs> especially late as later on in this book i didn't really notice the cut the crap but i did notice that later on somebody is about to say the word damn and is cut off <laughs> And yet I could have cut the crap on it. My God, all this salty language. <laughs> Herb and my pills. <laughs> Aunt Shirley would not be having this whatsoever. Oh my God. Aunt Shirley, I was going to say would be spinning in her grave, but presumably she's still alive. I, th- I, think we kill- I think we've killed her off already and said that before. <laughs> Hearing cut the crap probably would send her to her grave. Oh, so yeah. True. <laughs> Well, uh, James is er- has arrived earlier than usual and Margot isn't pleased that he's not still at Jessica's side. Mm. And um, she flirts with a creepy bartender uh, who stares at Margot's tank top, which is gross. Staring but, at her tits, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but um, when the bartender leaves, Margot puts James in his place. Reminds me he's basically a hard gigolo and he'd uh, better keep things professional. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh... She's so funny. Um, yeah, but uh, she's just like you know, just just make sure you keep it as business and and don't get uh, too involved with with Jessica. Mm. Um, but yeah, she's also just like looking for more information about how her and Liz are getting along. Yeah, but but James somehow he's not even sure why he doesn't reveal what Jessica said about like her and Liz having these little breakthroughs. Uh, mm. He just talks fashion. Um, God, God, Jessica must be so fucking boring. She's just telling him she likes this shiny kind of shawl she saw on sale at Lytton and Browns at the mall. And um, Margot says sharply, a shiny shawl? Where in the store? (laughs) Near the top of the escalator, I think, said James. What? Um, Here, I'll draw you a map. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's right here by the hats. (laughs) I can't be sure, though. But Margot's cunning because uh, she says she's going to buy one and James can give it to Jessica as a gift. Mm-hmm. And then she'll get herself one exactly like it. It will fit in perfectly with my plan. Stop talking about your plan in front of James. Because he's like, I don't get it. She's like, never mind. What else did she say? <laughs> oh, Margot, I really want you to play it cool and you never do. Oh my god. And you're really like seriously, when you do commit a crime, um again, like James is going to have a lot on you. So much. Oh my god. Like he'll be able to tell everybody basically what her plan is. So yeah, well, just leave some mystery, Margot. Don't tell him everything. But we do know she has no compunction about cl- killing witnesses. So mm, uh, I guess she doesn't mind having loose ends to tie up. Just more people to murder. Yeah. It's actually giving yourself a little treat. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is feeling weird about this whole game and he decides from now on he's going to be careful about what he tells Margot until he has more idea of what she's uh, planning to do. Mm. Um, meanwhile, while he's pondering this, she's just banging on about all she's learned from the children as little darlings. And 
like, in two days, I've learned all sorts of interesting things. For instance, one kid told me that Ned Wakefield ran for mayor a few months ago. And James says, why would a kid tell you something like that in the first place? Why indeed, James? <laughs> Very good question. Like, how did you get onto local politics with a four-year-old? <laughs> Because these are little kids. This is the thing. They're very small children. Oh, God. But yeah, anyway, she's just like, oh, I can be very persuasive. And like James is getting more creeped out by her the longer he hangs out with her. Um, Oh, my God. She she goes so creepy. Margot goes full like, is it, what's his name in, um, oh, what am I trying to think of? Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. Uh, (laughs) Is it Max Cady? Is that his name? I think so. I can see him. she she's holding this glass like she's just had a wild turkey so it must be like one of these small whiskey glasses but her fingers clenched the cheap glass so tightly her whitened knuckles looked like frosted shards of ice he heard a sharp crack so marlo mark marlo marlo <laughs> unfurls her fingers and there's like a broken glass in her hand is a huge slash across her palm crimson blood cascading down her fingers and onto the tabletop and james just looks at her he's like what the fuck she grins <laughs> leans forward as if to kiss James on the forehead but she stopped short and whispered to him instead I can also be very dangerous <laughs> I love her she is fucking unhinged oh, oh my god she's oh, incredible god. she is and also earlier in that scene she, she speaks she stares into his eyes and speaks slowly in a deep unnatural voice as she says I can be very persuasive oh god she's just oh. she's great value for money isn't she like she really is. Have I'm very glad we're much... splitting the next book into two so we can just oh my stretch it out for as long as possible. Honestly, I'm so not ready for Margot to be over because we have never had as much entertainment out of one singular <laughs> character as we have out of this bitch. She's just oh. great fun. <laughs> I love you, Margot. <laughs> well, we cut to the next morning at the Casa del Wakefield and Liz is on the rampage. She and I was going to say yeah why didn't she confront Jessica that night but I guess Jessica was out on the date and she didn't get home until late uh, yes so anyway she barges into Jessica's room and wakes her up and she's like what the fuck is this uh, in so many words <laughs> just saying you know that you you thought you'd be nice to me to get rid of your guilt about hiding the letter is that it uh, and just that she doesn't understand why she did this and obviously you know she feels terrible enough about everything and she's just like why would you want to hurt me even more than like what I'd already been through like she's like because she does say look even if I even if I didn't kill Sam myself people are making sure that I don't forget that um so yeah and Jessica kind of starts crying and she's like oh it wasn't like that I swear and in fairness to Liz she does go oh shut up in a hard voice I'm sick of your lying and I'm sick of you I'd hoped with all my heart we could be friends and sisters again but now I see that we can't and Liz just turns on her heel and walks out and like she's dead right because this was incredibly shitty of Jessica um and her kind of pretending like this wasn't something she did on purpose and it's Mm. like who hid that letter with the intent of fucking over Liz and Todd's relationship and making sure they wouldn't get back together. So like yeah. she's really trying to, you know, play innocent here and it's just it's not happening. It's not. Though it is kind of the sort of shit she pulls all the time. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. I don't know why this is the straw that break the camel's back. Um, <laughs> I guess if anything it's like, oh on. we really are back to the way things were, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, check that cards like old times. Like, have you not forgotten when she lied about Todd sexually assaulting her <sighs> in the very first book? Book number one. My goodness, what a start. Uh. <laughs> 
Oh, well, we cut to um, Winston, the cartoon baby, and basically his parents ring him, shout about the holiday, and he keeps trying to hide Daisy's baby sounds and pretending mm-hmm. it's something on the TV. And uh, how, yeah, he's just been staying home instead of going out in the town because he's got old and boring. So, um, uh, yes, he, uh, at one stage, um, Daisy spits up on his parents' new comforter and he shouts, Daisy, but then he says to his parents that someone on the game show, uh, couldn't come up with the name of a wildflower that begins with a D. Yeah, apparently at that point, Daisy looked up at him in admiration. Like, okay, cartoon baby, take it easy. <laughs> but yeah, he's basically just all the way through this phone call. It's just Winston trying to cover up the sound of a baby right beside him. Yes. Um, and yeah, I think then eventually is it, oh, he thinks, yeah, here's the doorbell ring. And it's like, okay, that's going to be Maria with more diapers or it's going to be Daisy's mother here to collect oh. her. Either way, it's some kind of relief for Winston. Uh, so he answers the door only to find Amy, uh, who has pushed her way past Maria. Uh, and she's like, oh my God, she's adorable. Let me hold her. Uh, and it's not just Amy and Maria, because apparently Maria has brought pretty much the entire like female student yeah. body of Sweet Valley with her yeah. like there's Annie Lila Pamela Cheryl like there's so many people suddenly yeah. in Winston's house and they're all just cooing over the baby and how amazing she is yeah and uh, by the way um, Lila says isn't that play suit she's wearing kind of outdated <laughs> I mean, I can tell you, baby clothes do not date that quickly, Lila. <laughs> but um, it's Maria's little sister, because um, Daisy only had three outfits. Um, so uh, Lila's like, this could uh, cause for a trip to the mall. <laughs> and then Robin, Rosa and Sandy Bacon come uh, come along and they all start fussing over Daisy, because it's like none of them have ever seen a fucking baby before. Yeah. And then we get another moment of synergy with the TV show. It was... Winston says, I fantasized about being here in my own house with every girl at school, but somehow this isn't what I imagined. Yes, and it's very like Winston trapped with a bunch of cheerleaders in the most recent episode of the TV show that we did. Uh, Yeah, so like all the way through this, I was just picturing TV Winston 100%. (laughs) Well, the girls all chat about Jessica because apparently she said a wee lapse recently. Like she's very, um, she seemed to be cheering up and now she's uh, in a, you know, down in the dumps as she mm. described grieving last last time <laughs> yeah. um, but insanely then after they changed the subject to the costume party Maria thinks that they should instead of going there dressed as Klingons which was their original plan her, her and Winston should go as a threesome with Daisy so Gosh. they're gonna bring a baby to a party yep. <laughs> Uh, kind of greatly Lila says Lizzie Borden's parents <laughs> that is good <laughs> and then Winston has uh, they all sort of joke about possible uh, costume ideas mm. um, some of which are quite good that is true actually yeah I think is it Annie suggests it could be Popeye olive oil and sweet pea I'm like actually that could totally work that would be good <laughs> and Amy says Tarzan Jane and Cheetah the chimpanzee <laughs> but uh, this is all too much for Winston. He's now got a vision of the future, um, like with the 
with him and Maria married, with like surrounded by babies, and he runs out and rings Todd and says, "I've got ten women here, and they're driving me crazy." <laughs> Todd's like, "And you need rescuing?" <laughs> so it's a whole like, "Oh, this sounds amazing." Uh, um, uh, but yeah, so he's just like, "Todd, please come here. I'm losing my mind." So Todd's like, "Okay, I'm on my way." Um, but yeah, and it's all just yeah, girls fawning over Daisy, basically. Yes. Well, we cut to Jessica, who's in a payphone outside Sweet Valley High, and uh, she's ringing James and admitting that um, what's happened with her and Liz is her fault and says, I don't deserve to have Liz as a sister. I didn't deserve Sam and I don't deserve you. Um, And she admits that she did know that Liz and Todd still loved each other and she just didn't want to admit it. She just wants to revenge herself on Liz. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then when her and Liz actually started getting along, she kind of forgot about the letter. She fully just forgot about it. Like, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> like, Jessica is a scheming bitch, but also not that bright sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, shit, that letter that Todd gave me that I... Why didn't you burn it, Jessica? You're fucking idiot. Truly, like cover your tracks properly. Mm. So she thinks the twins were lost to each other forever. We cut to the police station where Josh is pretending to be a reporter from the Sacramento Bee. And, uh, you know, the pre-internet days, it made his and Margot's work both easier in some ways, Mm. can't be checked up on, more difficult in others, can't find stuff out. Exactly, yes. Uh, Yeah, because he's talking to Sergeant O'Reilly. Oh, so he is, to be sure. In um, in the Sweet Valley Police Station, and yeah, he's just turned up, and he's he's really kind of nervous. Mm. Uh, and the cop is even like, uh, "You're a bit you're a bit new- nervous for a newspaper man, aren't you?" <laughs> so he's like, "Oh, it's my first story." Um, so he just kind of says, "Yeah," he kind of says, "What can you tell me about violent crimes in Sweet Valley?" <laughs> and the cop is like, "As I said, it's a good safe place to live. Not much here for an article on violent crime in small towns. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. there have been several murders, like on." <laughs> Countable kidnapping. <laughs> There's nothing but mayhem in this town. So no wonder, I mean, we know the cops are useless, but also they clearly just ignore all the things that oh, no. happen. It's like there was a cult leader here for a bit. <laughs> He's just like, no, perfectly safe place to live. Yeah, nothing bad nothing. ever happens here. Just don't check out any of the like 99 books worth of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he does mention Sam's death, but says that was an accident. And then says that in the nearby town of Ramsbury, a woman mm. was run over, but he doesn't have all the uh, details of that on file. They'd have to go to the detective in the next county. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we discovered that Josh's note taking is uh, very basic. Oh my god, it's yeah. My notes here were just like great <laughs> note taking there, Josh, because he's he's writing on on the first page of his notebook, but the pressure of his hand causes the pen to slash through the paper. So he stands up to thank the sergeant, flips it closed, to conceal the fact that all he's been doing <laughs> is writing large black letters that spell out Margot. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really needed to remind yourself of that, Josh. <laughs> That's literally all he did was just draw the name Margot in his notebook as he was talking to this cop. And again, it's not like you can Google anything afterwards. These are all the facts. Unless you're going to remember everything perfectly, all you've got to show for it is a page with Margot written on it. Great job, boy detective. I do love him, though. Yeah, that, it was very entertaining. That, yeah. Oh, 
Uh, I'm actually just picturing it with Margot written all over it, to be honest. <laughs> oh, kind of like a so sort the, of the stalker stuff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, all work Margo. and no play makes Margot a little girl. It's Margot, a Margot, Margot, Margot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of Marco, we cut to Calico Drive and Marco's hopping off a bus. Uh, she's wearing an outfit that is does not seem very 1993 to me, but it's full Liz drag. Oh, fully. Uh, yeah, so she's wearing, it's a light pink t-shirt uh, tucked into faded Levi's, which is very Liz. And I'm pretty sure Liz actually wore that exact outfit on, oh. <laughs> on the cover now that I think of it. <laughs> it or something like it. very like it. But yes, so she hops off the bus and again, out loud, spreading her arms <laughs> wide, says, my new neighborhood <laughs> oh Margot <laughs> she checks out her uh, her features in the side view mirror of a green Volvo that's parked on the street and we're told the contact lenses made her eyes sparkle with the blue green of the Pacific Ocean and she's wearing barrettes Oh my God. Yes, apparently her long golden hair looks completely natural and I uh, still simply do not believe it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she says nobody would ever guess that it had been lightened. Really? I mean, seriously, like literally unless you have shaved Liz's head and then stuck that hair to your head, I just don't see <laughs> anything like the legendary Wakefield blondness. So she thinks in other words, Margot looks exactly like Elizabeth Wakefield. Margot is Elizabeth Wakefield, <laughs> but the voice says... Whiskey. Ooh. Whiskey. <laughs> oh, God. Marco says, no, aloud, of course. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she's off to see uh, her idol. Yeah, she reckons there'd be nothing unusual, surely, about Elizabeth Wakefield uh, seeing Alice, her very own beautiful, wonderful, perfect mother. But the voice disagrees. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> but our, Margo's arguing with the voice now. I yes, know. that's amazing. Because <laughs> she's whispering, pounding her right oh fist rhythmically into her left palm like this. It says, I don't care. <laughs> and that's, this is all allowed. She's walking yes. down the street. <laughs> she's my mother and it's my home. Oh, she's getting very like the voice listeners or they will be mine soon enough. I have to see my mother. I have to hear her voice. I have to. <gasps> the voice is like, patience. <laughs> so, Margo is having none of us. She will not be told. Yes, she's nailed the outfit. She knows that Liz has a t-shirt just like this one. Apparently her imitation of Liz's voice isn't quite perfect yet, but as long as she doesn't talk too much, she reckons she'll be fine and Alice will never know the difference. Uh, So she suddenly spots something in the window (laughs) two blocks from the Wakefields gaff and it's four-year-old Angie uh, from the daycare centre is waving at her and Margot is like, the little girl had recognised her as Marla, the teacher's aide. She would have to be killed. Until Margot realizes that she's dressed and looks exactly like Liz, and that her uh, that this young one is basically seeing Liz and waving at her, so she's like, "Of course, the brat was waving at her neighbor Elizabeth, not at her new teacher." Risky, <laughs> says the voice. But Marlo, Mar- Marlo, Margot yeah. argues with us again. Yeah, she. Her headache is back as well, apparently, but she's like, it's not risky. She whispered, if anyone recognizes me, I have ways of keeping them quiet permanently. 
mean, if you're not good by constantly talking out loud about your evil plans, Margo. Truly all of this. She's just walking around going, evil plan, evil plan, <laughs> secret evil plan. <laughs> and she has a plan for Angie. Oh my God. Yes. Margot, she does her groundwork in fairness to her because apparently she noticed an abandoned well a mile from the daycare centre. Okay, baby Jessica. It's close to a highway so the traffic would drown out the sound of the little girl's cries. So she's like, oh, Angie was safe for now. She'd provided all sorts of helpful information. But yes, so if she needs a backup plan to rid herself of Angie, she's just the well for that kid. I mean, I love the idea that she doesn't think, wow, they might actually, oh, they, you know, they might search for this child. So really, it doesn't matter if there's a few cars. Like, <laughs> oh. then she enters the casa and goes into the Spanish child's kitchen. Oh my God. She And in fairness to her, she appreciates the tiling that went into that Spanish child's kitchen. <laughs> Uh, and yes. is, is she delighted. recognizes them <laughs> yes she's so happy at how tastefully decorated the whole place is <laughs> hand painted tiles spanish margot decided to yes. the counters i love how she's learned about international like interior art in her series of like those file folders are brimming with information and yes she uh she appreciates some good interior design <laughs> She also notices a gleaming set of knives. They beckon from the counter. Well, I couldn't do with those, she thought idly. Oh, my God. But yes, so like Alice is in the kitchen as Margot walks in. Uh, but her back is towards Margot. So she's like leaning into the fridge, which is open. She's kind of rummaging through it. Uh, and Margot's very impressed with Alice's uh, fashion sense. Uh, and she's like, this is how my real mother would dress, she thought. At least she's actually thinking things and not saying them out loud right now. <laughs> I'm Alice- surprised. I know. Alice Wakefield is my destiny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. And then Alice says, hi, sweetheart. And Margot says, hi, mom. And Margot is so transfixed by her beauty. She uh, kind of freaks Alice out. Yeah, she's like, are you okay, Elizabeth? (laughs) Margot smiles slowly. Perfect, she replied almost in a whisper. <laughs> so she walks forward and hugs Alice. Uh, Alice is a little surprised, returns the hug, and she's like, what's the matter? And Margaret's like, nothing, everything's perfect. She was still smiling as she hurried out the door. And Alice is just kind of staring after her. And like, we kind of cut to Alice's POV, and she's like, huh, that was a bit weird. <laughs> How would you not notice that, like, there's no way she doesn't smell different. This is the thing, I know. And, like, a mam would recognise her daughter. Like, even if they're identical twins, she can still yeah. tell them apart. Well, we know Alice kind of checked out for quite a while there as well. And <laughs> oh, isn't true. always the most present of parents. So, actually, you know what? It's Alice Wakefield. Okay, what, what, yeah. what are we talking about? <laughs> Fair point. I mean, it was, it was only two books ago she was, like, cleaning the windows at one o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> If it was Prince Albert that walked in, I mean, he's basically blonde. She'd be like, oh, Jessica. <laughs> now could we swap jessica for prince albert that would be good i mean that would be fantastic (laughs) i'd read those books there you go maybe he just ate the letter from todd by accident but it's like oh albert (laughs) (laughs) you little scamp yeah (laughs) well then uh, she she thinks you know alice does think that if liz was weird it must be just stressing out about Mm. you know how bad things are with Jessica 
And then the real Liz rushes in. Now, are we going to describe her, mention her outfit now? Because I just want to remind everybody, this is a 16-year-old hmm. at the height of, say, of sort of grunge coming over here into the sort of British pop era. But now we also know that basically lots of people in America shunned people for wearing anything approaching oh, grunge too. And everyone's a conservative tight ass basically in the 90s. <laughs> Fair point. But let's just say that Liz is again wearing an outfit that could be worn by a retiree. Absolutely. In fact, yeah, we can talk about this one because there are so many outfits in this one. It'll save me some work at the end. (laughs) Can you describe what she's wearing now? Yes, she rushes in. Uh, She's hurriedly tucking her blouse into her grey slacks. Fuck's sake. Grey slacks. And like... (laughs) Blouse! Alice is like, Liz, are you okay? You seemed upset a few minutes ago. And why did you change your clothes? You look so pretty and spring-like before in that pink top. And it's like, yeah, why are you wearing these old lady clothes, Liz? <laughs> and your fucking jeans and a t-shirt, will you? You are 16. Um, but Liz is kind of like, she's like, Mom, I'm fine. And, you know, it's you I'm beginning to worry about. I haven't seen you since breakfast and I've been wearing these clothes all day. So she's like, she threw her mother one last look and headed out the door. And that's like the end of... Yes! anything from Alice about wait what's going on was that Jessica can I now not tell them apart like there's no kind of we don't return to that at all it's insane because mm. uh, it's um, it's like it seems like it should be a big thing and yes. it is literally never mentioned no <sighs> well meanwhile Marga was enraged because <laughs> she's hot wired a car to follow Liz but now she's oh. to find an old person in the station wagon <laughs> and she she gets so angry she considers another murder. She's so furious. But also, I've only just realised it's the green Volvo that she checked out her reflection in. It is! <laughs> Did not cop it the first time round. Fantastic. Uh, but yeah, she is fuming in her stolen car, screeching that they shouldn't let old people drive cars and that she'd like to <laughs> strangle them with his seatbelt. She's pounding her fists on the steering wheel. Oh my God. Oh, and she's got a gleaming, well-sharpened butcher knife beside her on the seat. <laughs> Yeah, she's armed. We're told Always. she she briefly considered the notion, savoring the thought. Then she shook her head. She had more important things to attend to. Oh my god! Yes, but anyway, she's she's in pursuit of Liz, who is cycling somewhere. Uh, mm. So she's on her tail in her green Volvo to see what's going on. Well, Liz heads to what is clearly Todd's gaff in Country Club Drive. What mm-hmm. a name! Uh, so we're reminded she now lives in a mansion, and Margot parks down the road does some more talking aloud she walks out she's walking down the road carrying a fucking knife and saying aloud good there's no one around <laughs> well you better hope there isn't Marco because they could be all looking out their windows exactly uh but yeah she she's kind of as she's watching Liz also it's funny actually that Margo's also judging Liz's terrible outfit <laughs> yes. uh because she describes Liz you know sitting on the doorstep of this mansion uh wearing a white blouse and drab gray pants Elizabeth's taste in clothes were a little too conservative Margo decided <laughs> I'll make a much better Elizabeth Wakefield than she ever did <laughs> And uh, yeah, she's spying on her from a bush. She spends a lot of time hiding in bushes, looking at people. <laughs> loves a butcher knife, loves hiding in the bush. <laughs> <laughs> They're two favourite things. Yeah. So Marco, uh, <laughs> Marco thinks that Liz is obviously waiting for someone. But who? Marco whispered to the voice that never really left her. I'm glad they're saying that because it's like they're reassuring us. Because, yeah. you know. The voice is here to stay. <laughs> yes. 
Patience gave the reply. Patience. Oh my god. <laughs> Listen to the voice, Margo. You're so impulsive. This is the thing. The voice does know best. Like mm. Trust the voice, Margo. Trust mm. the voice. Well, we cut to Liz's POV and she's worried Todd's out with another girl. Uh, apparently he was out away from school all day that day at a basketball tournament, but she mm. knows that would be over, you know, hours ago. So where is yeah. he? And he finally arrives. He looks surprised. He looks all hopeful. And basically they're reunited. She holds out the letter and mm. they kiss. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's... That's it. For after all those books of them being like estranged and like her being mad at him him like abandoning her it's all resolved so quickly it's nearly an anticlimax that like that's it it's like yeah. he pulls out the letter they kiss that's it it's like yeah. seriously after all that bullshit especially as like he wrote that letter two weeks ago and before that he was appalling mm, for weeks and, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and I don't care yeah. how good that letter was no it's not enough to have instant forgiveness Definitely not. But again, I feel like, yeah, we already are sick of spending too much time on Liz and Todd's annoying relationship. So maybe it's a good thing that they just breeze through this reconciliation. Yeah, it's like, you know what? It's fine. It's done. It's like, all right, good. Moving on. At least we don't have any <laughs> stupid misunderstandings. For now, anyway. Oh, God. I'm sure they'll come back soon enough. <laughs> well, we cut to Winston's gaff, where Amy is amused by his attempts to change a nappy and says he's more like Donald Duck, the mother goose. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, she somehow magically, despite having no uh, small children in her family, is able to change a nappy and thinks that uh, if Winston hasn't figured out how to get a nappy on the baby by now, he never will. And then mm. they make a bet. They do, yeah. So Winston says that he is going to become an expert diaperer by Friday, uh, as good as Amy is. And when he wins, he'll get to decide what she wears to Olivia's costume party uh, on the Saturday. So Amy agrees to this and says, all right, fine. But when I win, you have to dress up as whatever I say. So they kind of threaten each other with uh, terrible things that they're going to make the other wear. So like Winston kind of says, he's like talking to Daisy saying, oh, what do you think? Will, will we get uh, Amy to wear Tad Johnson's sweaty football uniform? <laughs> um, and then he makes some other crack about how she she won't be too happy when she has to shave her head to go as Chrome Dome Cooper to the party. <laughs> and then we get uh, some more TV synergy because she oh, says, yeah. I wonder what you'd look like in my cheerleading uniform. <laughs> like surprisingly good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're not a member of Pi Beta Alpha, um, you, you know uh, where to find us, headstuffpodcast.com. <laughs> but also, you should watch that episode because it was it was season two, episode 20, I think. Yes, it's called One Big Mesa. So yeah, yes. if you just Google, like, look up Sweet Valley High, One Big Mesa on YouTube, right. you'll find it. And it's well worth watching. <laughs> it is. And uh, we do get uh, Cheerleader Winston. Oh my god. Well we're so hot. <laughs> I mean he's hot. Whatever he wears. It's true. Well we cut to Margot's room where she's babbling on to herself about how romantic <laughs> Listen Todd's reunion was. Oh Aloud, of course. Oh, of course. How else? <laughs> but yes, she's delighted and thinks to herself, or again, out loud says, what a gorgeous boyfriend I have. So she's twirling around this little room, uh, talking about how perfect everything is going to be and it's all she's ever wanted and everything she's been waiting for. Um, but uh, yeah, she, what did she do? <laughs> After waiting and planning for so long, she would triumph. Mm. But oh yeah, she's still getting these headaches. Yes. And realizes that this is a test. Uh, so yeah, I think so. She's triumphed over the headache, and this is another win for her today. And uh, peers into the mirror, <laughs> into her, deep into her turquoise eyes, Elizabeth's eyes, 
too long, she said softly, in a dead-on impression of Elizabeth's voice. <gasps> too, too long. <laughs> and luckily, the raspy voice in her head says, It won't be too long now. <laughs> so chirpy now. Wonderful. <laughs> and Marco smiles, staring at the sharp knife she'd slipped out of the Wakefield kitchen. Perhaps it would come in handy. How is she just picking up and sneaking off with all these giant knives? Like, <laughs> is she putting them in her pocket? Like, how is she doing this? She Where did, did she keep all the knives? <laughs> she did it last week as well. True, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> so we cut to Sweet Valley High and this is a very stupid scene. Chrome mm-hmm. Dome confronts Winston because he's been, uh, you know, saying, oh, it's a bit of a coincidence. You've been out sick with the stomach flu all week when your parents just happened to be out of town. And Winston wants to get away as quickly as possible because, uh, of course, he has a duffel bag with a baby in it. Oh, God. Yes, because this ridiculous storyline continues to get even worse, unfortunately. And again, instead of alerting literally any adult that they know, like Annie's parents could have probably solved this whole situation for a bit, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he's brought the fucking baby to school in this duffel bag. Like, it's completely ridiculous. Apparently she's asleep, I think, at this stage. But then there's a whole bit where, like, her hand comes out of it. And then Annie walks by. So we kind of hand the bag off to Annie. Or Maria comes by. Or sorry, Maria. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and bangs on about how, oh, you know, because Maria coaches the Daisy League softball club for little kids to try and, like, make <laughs> Maria realize what's happening here and just how ridiculous all of this is. So she kind of, like, takes the bag. And it's kind of a whole day of people hiding this baby from yes. adults instead of just fucking telling one of them. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> Maria takes the baby off to the uh, to the Oracle office and just produces her from the bag. Oh um, and, of course, they're all charmed. But mm. he tells uh, Penny that her mission, should she choose to accept it, is to keep this secret weapon away away from enemy eyes for homeroom <laughs> period. Um, and Penny accepts uh, as long as Winston changes the uh, the baby's nappy beforehand. Mm. And just as he starts to do this, who should come in to the Oracle office? Oh my God. <laughs> It's Mr. Collins! Hooray! However, he is woefully unobservant. Oh my God. <laughs> Worryingly so. I mean, <sighs> I'm very glad to see him because it's been way too long. It's been ages. I don't think, has he, he hasn't turned up really in this whole miniseries. Has Did he? he turn up oh, was he in the... the morning after? Was he oh. sort of trying to get through to Liz at school, but oh, she just was ignored? She was avoiding him. Well, yeah, she was in a daze of things. No, you're right. He very briefly turned up there, yeah. That, that feels like a long time ago. Oh my God, that was like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least two months. Surely. Um, but uh, yeah, he's looking for apparently sports writer Paul Jeffries, whoever he is, and mm. asks what they're, you know, why aren't they in homeroom? And of course, they're all like coughing to make a, a cover up Daisy's baby noises. And when Mr. Collins can smell something unusual, they're like, oh, it's the plumbing. Um, and... When he leaves, at least Maria and uh, Winston are like, oh, 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 isn't that hilarious? But Penny and Liz are like, this is fucking insane. Mr. Collins yes. is, knows something's happening. And, you know, what, like, what if she gets sick? Like, what if something happens? And Penny says, you have to let city social services know about this. Mm. Yeah. Like, yes, and should have done days ago. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, they also just don't think you'll be able to pull this off for the whole day because it's already only the morning and the bomb's been caught like two or three times. Yes. Because um, obviously this whole thing is ridiculous. But like Winston has really taken to Daisy as well. True. And it's just like, and oh yeah, apparently they've kind of got a rota worked out basically where all these girls are going to 
take time out of their school day to secretly look after Just Daisy. the girls, of course. Just the girls, yeah. Mm. yeah. But, uh, yeah, she you know, Liz is on duty before lunchtime. And um, Winston basically says that if social services would take Daisy away, it's like... Well, yes. I mean, I know there are many issues in social services, but also this woman has given her child to a minor <laughs> with no notice. Um, and she says, if Daisy's mom doesn't come back soon, I may have to turn her over to the authorities, but not yet. So they're like, OK, fine. But if she, she doesn't come back by the weekend, you have to tell somebody. And yeah. like, at least you'll get your social life back. And mm-hmm. Winston's like, are you kidding? I've never been surrounded by so many girls in my life. <laughs> So later in the schoolyard, uh, Lila impatiently checks the time in her diamond-rimmed oh, watch because really. she's taking a turn with Daisy. Yeah, so it's it's her turn today. And yeah, she at first isn't too impressed that Daisy's being held in a canvas bag because she's like, uh, what if somebody sees me with a canvas duffel bag? This is outrageous. Um, <laughs> so uh, she thinks that everyone's going to notice her carrying around something as tacky as that. But um, yeah, look, she she's, says, you know, oh, no, I agreed to do it. So like Maria does the handover with Lila and Lila has some like excuse to get out of French class that she's got a, a dentist appointment. So she has a letter from home saying as much, basically. So this will kind of cover her for for not being in class. Yes. Uh, so now she's just going to hang out with Daisy instead of going to French. And teach her some important lessons. <laughs> because when Daisy's just making like baby noises, Lila's like, that, that kind of talk won't get you anywhere, Daisy. Let's teach you the things every girl needs to know. Try this one. Put it on dad's credit card. <laughs> and then Daisy can't say that. because She's like, can you say that, Daisy? No, I suppose you can't. Let's try something sh- shorter. Charge it. <laughs> and you say charge it <laughs> and uh, Daisy pulls Lila's hair and Lila shouts you little urchin um, but then she feels guilty because she remembers how she had a lonely childhood so she says <laughs> let's try another word can you say Porsche <laughs> oh god yes yeah, so while she's trying to get Daisy to say Porsche she suddenly hears a voice behind her and it's Chrome Dome so she then has to go through this whole ridiculous interaction with him where she's uh, tells him that she had a note for going to the dentist, but she got back early. But apparently there's an exam on in the class and she doesn't want to interrupt it. Um, and all of this happening, of course, while she's trying to like block Daisy from view because mm. she's behind a bench or something. Yes. Um, so because she has her, her paperwork to back up her story, Cooper kind of leaves her off. Um, yeah. But then when Lila turns around, Daisy's gone. Yes. Uh, she's under another bench in the courtyard reaching between a pair of large expensive tennis shoes to pull on their long white laces and who could those runners belong to? <laughs> it's Bruce Patman of course listening to his disc man <laughs> <laughs> he's cutting glass to work on his dad we're told and he's beating the side of a bench with imaginary drumsticks oh my god um and by the Lila, it's like somehow she's embarrassed. It's like she'd never live it down if Bruce are taking care of a baby. What? Like, what? <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> so she hears uh, Daisy say, Posher. So I don't know why I did a Yoda voice there. But anyway, <laughs> Lila's like, oh, well done. Not only did you learn to say Porsche, but you even managed to find the only person around who owns one. <laughs> Also, Bruce is singing along. <laughs> we hear him going, Teenage Wasteland! <laughs> while he's strumming on an air guitar. So this is 
extremely uncool uh, posturing from Bruce, which is quite funny to see because obviously as far as he's concerned, he's entirely alone and nobody can see him. <laughs> I do quite like this, especially as we're told that uh, Lila gets Daisy and Bruce lost in the song's final guitar licks. <laughs> Didn't notice a thing as Lila tiptoed away. As she glanced over her shoulder, Bruce stood up, stepped forward and tripped over his untied shoelaces. <laughs> it is actually a great little vignette. It's yeah. like, well, we've learned that Bruce is really into the who and also yeah. trips over really easily. <laughs> Because the shoelaces were untied. <laughs> well, later Liz takes over and rightly tells herself, you've got to stop agreeing to help everyone in town out of their problems. I mean, we right. fucking wish. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> so, of course, Liz starts out being nervous, but is soon charmed by the baby who, as uh, we said earlier, is drinking apple juice. Um <laughs> And Liz totally won over and can't believe that Winston let this baby out of his, out of his sight. <sighs> we cut to the cafeteria um, where Jess is feeling miserable, like ever since she's, she's been the letter situation. Yeah. yeah. And she decides not to think about Liz and she listens to the others talk about baby madness with a lot of casual sexism from Lila. Oh my god, yeah. Uh that was weird. Yeah. Uh, where was this bit? Oh yeah, because it's... they kind of they're talking about how good Winston has gotten apparently with um with Daisy and he's actually gotten good at changing nappies as well. And then Lila's like, if you ask me, Winston's being a little weird about this whole thing. Don't you think it's wimpy for a boy to be taking care of a baby? <sighs> And in fairness, Annie's like, no, women are stuck with way too much of the responsibility for raising kids. Wouldn't you want your husband to help out? And of course, Lila's like, I'm sure the nanny would do a perfectly good job without him. But like, yeah, that is a weird one from Lila because she's not usually that type of a character. I don't yeah. Think. Well, they joke about, you know, Winston Jr. and the twins. And Lila's <laughs> like, Winston Jr., what a scary thought. I bet the kid would be bored with thick glasses and a plaid shirt. <laughs> And speaking of cos- of outfits, they start talking about the costume ball. And uh, Lila says quite a few would-be suitors, including a real blast from the past. Yeah, fucking Kirk Anderson apparently yeah. asked her. And in fairness, they bring back his nickname and Annie straight away is like, Kirk the Jerk, what a creep. <laughs> I was glad to see that. I know, it's like they can get Kirk the Jerk back from like a million books ago, but they can't figure out what the fuck they're doing with this Jeep after the crash. Like. <laughs> The, the things that are consistent and the things that they just throw out the window are just completely random with the series. They really are. <laughs> well, they're all looking forward to the costume party, even Lila. She's, uh, she hasn't met Harry Minton and says, mm-hmm. he sounds kind of wacky, the artsy type like Olivia, but I hear he's got the most gorgeous house in Bridgewater. I mean, sorry, Lila, but you're all such fucking squares. Like... <laughs> It's kind of wacky. Literally, if you wore a shirt with a pattern on it, that's enough to be a wacky deviant in Sweet Valley. Like, well, so. we have learned quite a lot mm. about, especially <laughs> in the last few books, about yeah. squares they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they asked Jessica about Li- Jessica about Liz coming to the pre ball gathering in Lila's house, but Jessica reveals that she um, she won't be there if Jessica turns up, and she's like, oh, maybe I just won't go. And her friends rally around her, and uh, you know. They talk mm. about how, like, they won't let her turn into a hermit. And Lila's like, you know, I've been through a hard time, but now I'm happy to be alive again. But these these words echo in Jessica's Jessica's mind, and she can't imagine being happy to be alive. And all she can see in her head are Liz's cold blue eyes. Oh my goodness! Well, we cut to the mall where Amy suggests some jewels for Lila's costume. Um, and uh, we don't find out what it is yet, but she asks about Amy's outfit, and we realise that Amy lost that bet. 
well this is it because as far as we knew Amy was supposed to be going as Cleopatra but Amy now admits that she's uh, sort of changed her mind uh, but doesn't reveal the fact that her and Winston had this bet so she just says well you know you don't want to know what I'm going as and I certainly won't be needing any jewellery so Mm. that's uh, kind of yeah the pair of them decide to head off then to to Casey's ice cream for uh, for a few scoops of million dollar mocha because once again we have Lila's favourite ice cream flavour but not (laughs) any kind of consistency with anything important in this storyline no <laughs> but who should be our in Casey's but our favourite boy detective oh Josh here to ruin Margot's good time <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's got her yeah. favourite newspaper her favourite <laughs> publication Sweet Valley News what else uh, yeah he was kind of scanning it to see if anything could give him a clue as to her whereabouts you know any murders lately <laughs> <laughs> and apparently this detective in the town a few a few towns over or whatever yeah. uh, was out of town on some investigation or something until the next week so he wasn't able to to figure out any further details about this weird hit and run that, that the other cop had mentioned yeah. um so yeah he had done a bit of digging about it and wonders if margot was the the woman behind the wheel uh but uh, yeah and thinks you know accidents seem to frequently happen when margot was around mm. uh but yeah he's kind of just sort of assessing his situation and trying to trying to figure out what to do next because he's no proof really at all to for anything like and there's no yeah. point going to the cops right now because all he, all he has is like his own story which isn't enough there's nothing concrete that he's yeah. got so he, in, needs, he needs to, to do some more digging in fairness even if he had proof Sweet Valley Cops would be <laughs> also true <laughs> well he hears uh, it's clearly Amy and Lila talking about hmm. an accident and his ears prick up but he yeah. quickly realises it's a different accident it's a car crash Um. Un- he's probably unconnected with Margot, but he thinks they look about her age, so maybe he should try and get more in touch with what was happening in the high school scene in Sweet Valley, in Sweet Valley um, because that might bring him closer to uh, what to Margot's world. And then we get some retconning about Margot's age. Oh yeah, apparently Margot had claimed to be in her 20s what? when Josh's mother had hired her. She absolutely didn't, because didn't no. she say she was 18 and Margot... Or, and she, Josh's mother was like, oh, you know, I'm, um, I, I don't want to hire an actual child, but you're mm. a grown up, like and you're legally an adult. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely like 18 or 19. There's no way she was claiming to be in her 20s no. at that stage. Yeah. But yeah, Josh decides that uh, he might get some better leads on the situation if he manages to to somehow infiltrate the uh, the high school scene in Sweet Valley. And he hears those girls who look about Margot's age talking about this costume ball. And they say everyone who's anybody will be at the party, including me, Josh decides, almost <laughs> speaking the words out loud. I mean, <laughs> you're in the right place. Truly, he would fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> So the girls leave and uh, Josh follows them out. And then when he's leaving the the mall building, hmm. he freezes. And why? He sees a girl holding a bag, climbing into a black BMW with a tall, dark haired boy. The girl was Margot. <gasps> so he, he springs into action, sprinting almost directly into the path of a lime green triumph. It flared <laughs> its horn at him impatiently. <laughs> So he chases after the BMW as it takes off, uh, but obviously he doesn't catch it. Um, so he runs for a few yards, but yeah, it, it pulls out into traffic. So then he has to stop and he's like, oh my God, that was definitely Margot. Her hair was long and blonde and she looked happy and normal, but it was Margot, all right. Josh would never forget that face. <gasps> and neither would we. 
I mean, because that's <laughs> we've seen it on the cover of a uh, hundred or so, but well, yeah, over a hundred yeah. books. We have read more over than a hundred books. It is seared into our memories. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of it, we cut to James because he's still uh, thinking of it, and uh, he says um, he's trying to read a biking magazine and. Uh, but he keeps thinking of Jessica and he says Jessica mm. means nothing to me um, uh, nothing except 200 bucks 2,000 bucks she's just a job but he's pounding a fist against the mattress that is not all he's pounding listeners Ooh. you know what I mean and I think you <laughs> and then Margo wings and uh, she's uh, typically brusque yeah, she's just like, did you see her last night? <laughs> so he's all getting fucking saucy with her now. And he's like, oh, well, hello, Mandy. Yes, this is James. It's so nice to speak to you, too. And she's like, I'm not paying you to make small talk with me. I'm paying you to get close to that goody two-shoes. Oh, you do not know her at all, Marco. I know we keep saying this, but like, if you think Jessica's a goody two-shoes, <laughs> you are going to learn. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And James sighed and thinks this girl might be rude, mysterious and psychotic, but she was his employer. I mean, join the union, James. <laughs> I don't know which one. It's such a vague job. It's like guys with very vague cash only jobs. Union. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he says, well, yeah, he's been out with her when they went to a movie and he, they went for a soda. And she's like, Diet Cola, right? Margaret asked with a sneer. Somebody needs to teach that girl how to drink. Um, so she gives out to him basically says he's not seeing enough of um, of Jessica, Jessica. and yeah. uh, you know it's Friday night and they should be out and says if you screw around with my plans James I can make your life extremely painful um, and he's like well no she wanted to go home early she wanted to spend time putting her costume together for this costume ball and of course Margot wants to hear every detail and James is just, he's so gullible. He really is. He kind of thinks to himself that, okay, M- Mandy is just some wacko teenager playing a stupid teenage prank. So he what? decides, or at least the story that he's telling himself is that all of this is some really elaborate practical joke on Jessica from this unhinged girl who looks exactly like her. Who was making him go out with this girl every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah he tells her all about Jessica's outfit as much as he can remember but all the while James wondered just what he was setting Jessica up for I mean it's <laughs> nothing good no clearly not she like Margot could not be more sinister <laughs> well we cut to Margot whirling around in front of her wardrobe but she's thinking fashion she is she's um yeah so she knows the gown that james has described all she has to do is waltz into lisette's and pick up the same dress um and she knows all about the accessories that jessica's going to wear as well apparently james pays very close attention to things that jessica's <laughs> going to wear like more than you would expect any teenage boy to. but um yeah so she has basically a rundown of exactly what jess is going to wear so she's going to make to make sure that she has duplicates of every scrap of clothing jessica planned to wear to this uh to this party but also she has the pink scarf because of course she bought it in the first place for james to give to jessica and then bought one for herself so she knows that that's going to be bang on the money anyway 
And uh, she says that she knows Jessica's Wakefield, Jessica Wakefield's mind better than she knows it herself. And then goes into a full deranged flight of fancy. We're told Margot's laughter grew to a hysterical pitch as she unfurled the shivering shawl and twirled it around her, the room, watching its silken folds fan out around her in the mirror. Cinderella has found her fairy godmother, she cried, hurling the shawl away from her. But one stepsister is enough for anyone. She's just, she's great. <laughs> I'll miss her so much. Oh, I want to keep her. <laughs> can we seriously, can we get rid of Je- of Jessica? It's not a massive difference, but it's quite crucial, I think. It's a, li- a small difference, but a, you know, but an important one. Yeah, I know she'd be more believable as Jess than she would be as Liz. Oh, be God. <laughs> as many listeners pointed out. Yeah. Well, she, uh, anyway, she has to stop this uh, capering and cackling because uh, she's got an afternoon shift at Little Darlings. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Liz, Todd and Winston are on their way there. Yeah, so apparently it was Winston's idea to go there uh, because they're going to go to Little Darlings and basically get some advice from professional, you know, childcare people about yeah. what the fuck they should do um, but of course Winston's kind of paranoid that they're going to like steal Daisy away and Ugh. cart her off to social services you know like they probably should <laughs> but um, yeah so they're I suppose Liz and Todd are there as kind of like moral support for this hmm. um, and of course Winston's kind of wondering on the way over like oh you know what the fuck is going on with that neighbour of his yes. like he's like Central America has telephones why wouldn't she call if she got delayed like what is the reason for this absolute lunacy um, but uh, yeah Liz and Todd just kind of reassure him and they're like look she'll, there's probably a reasonable explanation she'll probably show up on your doorstep but until that happens like we need to talk to somebody who knows how to take care of a baby and yeah. like what the fuck we should be doing here exactly hmm. So they arrive at Little Darlings and Winston is still nervous. So Liz is like, look, you don't even have to take Daisy in. Hmm. Nobody's going to snatch her away. We'll stay with her in the car and you can just talk to somebody in there. And Winston is stalling for time because he's just so gaga about this baby. Um, And finally he gives in and says, synchronized watches. Very 90s. If I'm not back in 15 minutes, send in the Marines or the LA Laker girls. (laughs) Again, a very TV Winston line. Yes. <laughs> I can hear him saying it like. <laughs> well, we cut to Margot's POV as her appalling boss asks her to just hold the force while she runs to the bank and leaves one <laughs> teenager with no refer- <laughs> no confirmed references in charge of all these children. Yeah. And uh, Winston comes in and for a second she's... Uh, She's, I guess she's tempted to do another murder on him because he looks kind of familiar and she fears she'll be recognised. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> she eventually pieces together when he says, he comes in and says, he introduces himself saying he's looking for advice. Winston Egbert, Margot said, too loudly. <laughs> but, she, but she figures out that she recognises him as Liz's nerdy date from mm. the Fowler wedding. So she's worried, yeah, that she's been found out and she's going to have to murder Winston. But, uh, but then he starts talking about this baby and that her mother left her with a friend of mine. And he kind of starts babbling on about the situation yeah. through the medium of, oh, this friend of mine, this has happened to them. Um, so Margot's like, okay. I haven't blown my cover yet, despite all her best efforts. Um, so, yeah, so he kind of tells her about this like eight month old baby and, you know, the mother hasn't come back yet and he's worried he's going to have to give her up to social services. Um, but he's like, is it illegal to keep a baby in your house even if the mother gives her to you? Marco's like, of course it's not illegal, but like she knows herself. She doesn't have a clue what's, what the story was of any of this because she's just winging it. Hmm. Um, so he eventually admits that it's 
him rather yeah. than a friend mm-hmm. um and that he's been taking care of this baby so yeah <laughs> like this margo kind of tries to find out as much as she can i suppose about him and what's going on and she's kind of yeah. surprised then that he has a girlfriend um and he mentions that his friends liz and todd are out front in the car with daisy right now and that they've been such a great help so margo freezes and she's like elizabeth and todd <laughs> and like he's too nervous to have noticed her weird reaction which again is like just margo <laughs> getting away with literal murder but also just very bad covering up for herself <laughs> she thinks she'd have to keep better control of her emotions i mean you think margo oh my god honestly so she kind of gets up and looks out the window to see liz holding this baby uh and she feels rage rising within her oh. because margo is only ever a second away from absolutely snapping <laughs> yeah she thinks elizabeth had everything in life and margo had nothing but not for long <gasps> said a voice only margo could hear <laughs> she looks at Winston freaking out uh, and um, she you know she realises she can make use of his panic so she says look you know you're going to need more help than a bunch of high school kids what do any of you know about taking care of a baby uh, but I love kids <laughs> and then goes on another deranged rant that Winston notices oh god yes like her hand literally curls into a fist as she says all this <laughs> And she's like, some baby girls don't get the chance to be loved. Some get sent to social services, end up in an orphanage or foster homes, while other baby girls have everything. Nice house, a brother and a sister, a dog, wonderful parents who <laughs> love them. And like, she kind of notices Winston staring at her strangely and then she kind of changes tack and she's like, but we won't let social services put your daisy in an orphanage. Um, and then it's just like, okay, I need to sound like a responsible adult now. So she kind of says, look, if you're taking care of her this well for five days, you're probably doing a reasonably good job, but it's too much to handle alone so she's like uh, she kind of says to come back and see her soon and she'll put together some like package of information for him mm. uh, and to call her, her if he needs a babysitter free of charge as I said I love kids <laughs> <laughs> and she sort of boots about the door because she doesn't want Mrs. Waverly to turn mm. up and uh, you know give some I mean uh, probably not very sensible <laughs> advice to be honest based on the way she conducts herself in this honestly she runs this daycare absolutely not <laughs> so she watches him leave and then the voice appears and it's it's sort of taken over Margo oh because God. she heard herself whispering in a low raspy voice that wasn't her own it isn't there <gasps> she is the voice <laughs> the voice is loose Oh my God. Yes, she's become one with the raspy voice. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what a great turn of events. Oh, I didn't see it coming, but I'm delighted with it. So happy. <laughs> so Winston feels relieved. He did think this girl was weird. Um, mm. There was something odd about her and it was more than her bad makeup job, job <laughs> because like she looked really familiar and also she was weirdly, it says really creepy with, in her intensity. Uh, how the fuck has she kept this job? Because she Honestly. must be like this, like constantly. This, this is her trying to be normal, talking to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and also that Winston doesn't realise that he's looking at a Wakefield face in a bad wig. Like, oh. I just need to know what kind of makeup job she's doing oh. to make herself so unrecognisable. <laughs> when like Enid saw her from like halfway down the beach and was like, oh, that girl looks just like you and Jessica. <laughs> hugged her I thought it was her own daughter it's so weird how selective people's like recognition skills are when it comes to Margot's face she's a witch it's the only fucking explanation fair enough fair enough (laughs) 
Well, we cost to Jessica, who's unwrapping the fro- new frock she's bought for the costume ball. It's feeling all sad when Alice comes in. And Jessica confesses to Alice she's not really just feeling like herself. And mm. this is quite inconsistent because she's suddenly like, it's Elizabeth's fault. She's no right to be mad at me after what she did. Um, but Alice is uh, basically typical new look Alice. is like, that'll be fine. And this will make a perfect. This dress will make a perfect Cinderella's ball gown. Uh-huh. And we get a little reminder of previous costume parties and fancy dress frolics in in Sweet Valley, and how there was arguments between various couples. Yeah, so there is a little throwback when Jessica reminisces about how uh, she wanted to go to some costume thing as Romeo and Juliet with Sam, but he refused to wear tights. Mm-hmm. So uh, she sometimes feels bad about having a good time, you know, when Sam is dead. Mm. But then she knows Sam would want her to have as much fun as she can. And Alice is like, yes, I know how much he admired that old Jessica Wakefield knock him dead party attitude. (laughs) And Jessica vows that she'll muster it up again tonight, even if it kills her. (laughs) Oh. Meanwhile, Liz is getting into her outfit and she thinks how she and Todd are in harmony. And then we get another callback to olden day uh, fancy dress parties. Yeah, where apparently her and Todd had a disagreement where she wanted them to be George and Martha Washington and Todd wanted them to go as like a pantomime horse. I remember um, that. I do. I couldn't remember what book it was no. specifically. But I also feel like that was the same party that like Liz or that uh, Jessica and Sam were arguing over the Romeo and Juliet yes. thing, wasn't it? It was all the one thing. Like, yeah. And didn't they go as like the sun and the moon or something? Oh, yeah. Or maybe that, that was another one. Right. Was it the Princess Di one? Oh god, there's been so many costume parties though in this town. <laughs> like every so often they'll do a fancy dress thing and it's always fucking great to be fair. Oh, we always record things what that be. Any excuse for Lila to bust out the princess die wig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sad she didn't do it here mm. one last time before I know. Dies tragic demise. One more for the road. Okay, as it were. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, apparently, even though she was meant to be going with Enid, um, Enid insisted that Todd and Liz go together. um, And we're reminded that, you know, the only thing wrong in Liz's life is just that little tiny issue about not talking to her twin sister. But she's like, yeah, well, cut my losses. (laughs) Millions of people have had perfectly full lives without a twin sister. And it's like, yeah, not because they're estranged from them, because they never had one in the first place. Well, we uh, they almost repeat the following scene for some yeah. weird reason. But basically, she goes into the bathroom just as Jessica goes yeah. in. And, we keep bumping into each other as they're getting ready. Yeah, and, and it's awkward and tense. Yeah. yeah, and Jessica, we cut to Jessica's POV and she just remembers how this used to always happen in the past and it would be kind of funny. And uh, now she, you know, her mo- mood crashes because Liz mm. coldly makes her excuses and leaves and Jessica is just sobbing at the end of the bathtub thinking, how could I be happy when Sam's dead and I've betrayed my own twin sister twice? <gasps> um, and Liz is trying to stay calm and realises she has had a deja vu because this is exactly like the night of the jungle prom, the awkwardness between her and Jessica mm. as they both get ready. But yeah. um, but she tells herself the bad luck is over. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, yes. there's no reason to think that anything bad will happen tonight. Mm-hmm. And then they have another awkward bathroom meeting. I, I was almost confused. I was like, is this, yeah, it's is two, this the same thing it's happening? It's the same again? scene in very quick succession. Like, yeah. Hmm. 
But Jessica uh, is also thinking of the jungle prom. Um, and after Liz goes, Jessica realizes she's running late. She puts on a very cool pair of tights mm. and her pearl earrings. This is actually a key detail that she got from Sam. She was going to wear a pair of rhinestone ones that Jessica had bought uh, a bought her. But um, now she wants to have a little tribute to Sam. And, yeah, so it's kind of a last a last minute change. So yeah, James had bought these earrings for her, but now she's like, no, I'm going to wear Sam's pearls instead. She oh. knew James would understand. I mean, would he? I guess he's he's a paid gigolo, so possibly <laughs> he doesn't care. He'll do what he's told. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Margot. <laughs> so she even has a veil. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Apparently, Olivia has like encouraged her guests to wear some kind of a mask or have their face covered mm. somehow because it is meant to be like a masquerade type of situation. Mm. So she has, yes, this kind of uh, shimmery scarf that James had also gotten for her, again, via Margot. Um, she kind of, yeah, has it arranged so it kind of falls down over her face like a veil yeah. from these like golden combs that are holding her up to in place. Fancy. Um, so she realizes Liz and Todd are down are both downstairs now, and she's like, "Oh God!" But you know, realizes she has to face them. When mm-hmm. she comes down, she has a surprise. Well, you see, it turns out uh, Liz and Jess have both gone as Cinderella in pretty much identical outfits. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, of course, uh, their twin tuition is leading mm-hmm. them in the same direction, and we're told that you know a few months earlier. I mean, how many months? Who knows? Um, <laughs> they would have laughed and hugged each other, but now they're just Elizabeth's just cold and sweeps towards the door um, without a word to mm-hmm. Jessica. And Jessica feels a pang when she sees the look of love in Todd's eyes, but James is uh, looking pretty dashing too. James went all out. In fairness, too, he did. I can't <laughs> he really. Like, I like his did, commitment. Yeah. Exactly. I yeah. I enjoy commitment to a bit and commitment to a fancy dress costume. Yes. So fair play to James. He mm. has done a great job, and I look forward to getting into that. <laughs> well, we cut to Tara, or should I say, oh. Harry Scarily? Jesus, old South House. What the fuck is this? I'm <laughs> actually horrified. I hated this so much. Yeah. Oh my god. Me too. Because it's like, oh, it's so romantic. It's so lovely. It's literally described as an antebellum style mansion. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, fucking yikes. No, thank you. There is a group of musicians playing mm-hmm. Dixieland jazz. Jesus Christ. I mean, at least, I guess it's jazz. I guess. Oh, fucking hell it is, isn't it? <laughs> if only it could be smooth. <laughs> smooth. <laughs> Well, uh, either is there is Olivia Earhart, or, me, or Olivia, Amelia Earhart, and Rosa <laughs> is in a Macbeth witch outfit. Now, I do not remember, was Rosa one of the witches? I think she was, yeah. Oh, because it was Lila so. and Jessica, oh, sorry, Lila and Enid. Well, maybe it was, it was, yeah, she must have been the third one. Um, So there's a lot of bad jokes about mm. uh, Todd wanting to come as a horse, and now he still is as a main man. And Rosa <laughs> speaks for all of us when she rolls her eyes and says, I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> That's the thing. I do enjoy like a one after the other string of pun jokes, but when it's Liz and Todd, I'm just like, oh, shut up. Oh no! <laughs> and they go all out. <laughs> so um, yes, the the party is is dazzling. Uh, everybody's um, 
dressed to the nines and Liz tells everybody that Jessica has gone as Cinderella and when she thinks about not seeing Jessica since they got here because she thinks that weren't they you know coming Mm. right behind us she has a little psychic twin chill yeah well she kind of she gets chilly or like feels a chilly breeze uh, Mm. and kind of like wraps her arms around herself she's like is anybody else cold but everyone's like no it's really warm out (laughs) and again Enid going into boyfriend mode is like uh, you can wear my jacket if you like and starts taking off her like leather aviator coat (laughs) it's like no 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 I'm fine (laughs) and then we find out what Winston chose for Amy because she lost the bet and it is actually funny it is pretty good because she just kind of stomps past them, <laughs> not impressed. She's like, don't anyone say a word and is like flouncing by, clutching uh, a fold of a long black skirt to keep it from catching on a rosebush. And everyone collapses into laughter uh, because Amy Sutton is dressed as a nun. <laughs> and I do like that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, later Liz and Todd are out on the dance floor dancing to that Dixieland jazz. I mean, in fairness, Dixie- Dixieland jazz is like New Orleans jazz, but it's just the word Dixie compared to the Tara house. Yeah, just say New Orleans jazz, yeah. please. Cajun, something, not fucking Dixie. <laughs> not in comparison with the, or in connection with the plantation house. The plantation, and... ma- like you can just see it covered in fucking Confederate flags or some bullshit. And well, it's like, exactly. please no. Harry Minton, who are you? <laughs> um, well, Har- Liz and, uh, and Todd are chatting with Todd, uh, or sorry, Liz and, and Todd are chatting with Olivia and Harry. Hmm. And uh, Todd praises the, the party and Livia says thank you Prince Charming with an odd closed lipped grin because uh, I have to say her and Harry's combo outfit is quite good oh it's so good I was actually annoyed how good it was mm. <laughs> can you say what it is or you say it for the outfits uh, no we can go through it like again there's a lot of outfits so it'll be fine um, yes so yeah again because the closed lipped grin I was like wait what's this about but then we're, the, we're told she is wearing a brownish dress with a square cut neckline and rows of embroidered trim her usually wild brown hair was parted in the middle and her demure smile held an air of pure mischief uh, and then he notices that Harry is wearing an ornate tunic with paintbrushes sticking out of the belt and Todd deduces that they're Leonardo da Vinci and the Mona Lisa that is good such a good couple it's really good what is not good is the scary old south vibe which has Enid sighing "Uh, this house looks like something out of Gone with the Wind (laughs) but I remember Gone with the Wind being a recurring thing even in the Sweet Valley Twins books I feel like really that the twins love Gone with the Wind and there's a bit um, I'm pretty sure it's a twins book where like is it Jessica has some kind of hair dye disaster and ends up with orange hair. So she she goes, but this is big fancy dress thing coming up, of course. Mm-hmm. It's Sweet Valley. Uh, so she dresses as Scarlett O'Hara in whatever outfit where Scarlett's wearing this massive hat with all her oh, hair kind yes. of tucked up underneath it. And this was a whole big storyline in that book. And I remember being like, 11 or 12 and kind of going Gone with the Wind. They're really into Gone with the Wind. And eventually it was on telly some Sunday afternoon and I sat through it and I was just like, the fuck is this? <laughs> I was so bored and I was just like, Scarlet's a bitch. I don't like this. I mean, like, I do think that, that Scarlet is an entertaining character, but also is a massive racist. And I read the book when I was a teenager and I had to stop because it is, even for an old school book, mm. there was a stage where, in, and it, it's in the film as well, where it's after the South have lost the war. Right. And she sees black people confidently walking down the street and she gets mm. like, what are they doing and I had to like 
this was before this book came out and I do, no. I'm not saying that I was like oh, I'm so enlightened but no, it I is know, yeah. very obvious at that time this was a very racist book like it was racist <laughs> up till then and I think that was the moment where I was like what am I reading this for like, <laughs> this is, what the fuck how have I even got this far it's pretty bad so <laughs> the fact that he just like oh it's so romantic and not yeah. only does he think it's romantic but Todd says if the house is Tara then Lila Fowler's costume is the most appropriate one here. Oh, such a pity she didn't go with Princess Diana, but uh, no, unfortunately, Lila has come dressed as Scarlett O'Hara. <laughs> yes, and Tony is a fucking Confederate officer. Yikes. Oh my God. What? Just come on, you guys. Oh, really? Like... <laughs> but again, like this is the thing, and this this is definitely a recurring thing in Sweet Valley books where the twins love Gone with the Wind and it's this like mm. big reference point for lots of characters in it for the girls especially it's this dreamy romantic thing um yeah and that's the only reason i watched gone with the wind age like 11 yeah. <laughs> it's just like i'm not enjoying this <laughs> like... well it is like i think it was it spike lee said that it's racist and it's like four hours long it's like so long very it's so true. long and like i know everything is like fucking two and a half hours long now but like oh, even then. then back then a three-hour film with ads as well like jesus christ it was probably half my day i was spent watching <laughs> I know. Like, but the Wakefields love it, so there must be something else. I'm just not, not into it. Like, I know. And it is <laughs> like, even for the time, it is bad. Like, yeah. It is. <laughs> I think when I read it first, I was thinking, well, maybe she's going to like, now they've lost the war. She's going to see how, you know, that they were on the wrong side. And, like, her ways it's like, oh no, yeah. no. It's <laughs> doubling down. Doubling down. <laughs> and a half. So I did not. Uh, enjoy this um, romanticization of it um but liz is uh oh by the way this is the moment where winston starts to say frankly my dear i don't yes. but olivia cuts him off <laughs> yeah. and yes they had cut the crap hmm. isn't that mad yeah maybe but... they're allowed like one spicy word for <laughs> <laughs> Well, Liz is still unsettled by, mm. the, like, there's something off about this yes. night. And she's sort of freaked out by all the costumes. And, you know, she sees somebody dressed as a mime. And that gives her the creeps. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> um, this mime struck her as particularly eerie, somehow desperately sad and demonically evil at the same time. By the way, the mime is Robin Wilson yeah. in face paint. So, like, Liz also needs to just chill out. I mean, how, how did Robin manage all that? <laughs> so, everyone jokes about Amy. And then Winston reveals yet another connection with the latest episode of, of, that we watched of the TV series. That's right. Yeah, he says that... Uh, well, yeah, Todd kind of says... joking oh, about Amy's he is. costume. He is. That's right. So Todd is like, oh, you know, something tells me you know more than you're saying about Sister Amy's new calling. And Winston's like, who, me? I'm just the band leader. Because <gasps> that is why in the latest episode, he was taken hostage <laughs> by some cheerleaders. There was a lot going on. It was it was chaotic. <laughs> um, and then we discovered that uh, Daisy is at the party. Yeah, uh, because of course his I think his band leader comment was actually to do with his costume because both mm-hmm. uh, so he and uh, Annie Maria Annie, Maria why do I keep mixing them up in this and I'm like, Are you both have dark hair. Them? Maybe I am. Daddy, <laughs> I ship with with everybody now. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so uh, the two of them and uh, Daisy have come as like a, a three 
person costume of uh, Lucy and Ricky Ricardo and little Ricky. So they've like put a dark wig on Daisy's head and apparently that's that's her done. Yeah. So they have taken a baby to a party. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So apparently like there's no secret about Amy now How or, or Daisy now. Daisy. <laughs> How does Winston not realize this is going to get back to his parents? Like, I don't know. Because <laughs> when Todd does say, I'm surprised you bring her out in public, and he's like, Well, I didn't want the teachers to know. Uh, I had her in school, but this is my last night as babysitter, so it doesn't matter who sees her now. Um, so he does say, I've got to get her to somebody official before my parents get home tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Liz has another freak out moment when she sees Bruce and Pamela, not because of the their, uh, their uh, <laughs> frankly inappropriate <laughs> attire. <laughs> Like basically everyone came with something kind of inappropriate to this yeah. party. <laughs> Bruce is, we're told, a masked sultan. And Pamela <sighs> is a harem girl. Oh dear. <laughs> dear, dear. But Liz feels a chill come over her. Something about the combinations of wild, colourful costumes all about her was profoundly frightening. <laughs> yeah, again, she's kind of getting freaked out. Like... It's not for no reason because, you know, there is a reason for her to be unsettled. Mm. But like, as far as she knows, none of this makes any sense that she's suddenly getting freaked out by like Robin Wilson in some white face paint or like seeing Bruce in a culturally inappropriate (laughs) costume, you know? (laughs) Well, it's psychic twin stuff. There you go. Um, so yeah, apparently, by the way, there's also a competition. Like, this doesn't really go anywhere because Harry yeah. is like, "Oh, put your masks on. We're gonna have the costume judging." But uh, we never find out who wins. Yeah. So Edith and Todd hit the dance floor because, of course, these freaks always dance in pairs, even when it's <laughs> just a fast rock and roll. And uh, Liz um, said she just wanted to walk to go for a walk, and basically, she just sort of given Edith somebody to dance with. <laughs> patronizing I know it's this act of charity for tonight <laughs> but then she sees a stranger and I love his outfit it's a little on the nose but you know what you have to give it to him uh, yes because she sees a fair haired boy that she doesn't recognize uh, and he's dressed in a hastily thrown together Sherlock Holmes outfit <laughs> by the way it's hastily thrown together she says jeans and a t-shirt but with a hat cape pipe and oversized magnifying glass like that's pretty good some work went into that like so he couldn't source like tweed trousers like cut the guy a break in fairness he's got everything else pretty much nailed down he's got a cap like a deerstalker cap and a cape cape. capes are hard to find Well, um, Liz wanders off into a quiet part of the garden with a, it's, it's a little courtyard with a fountain and a sort of arched entrance and she still feels a little bit weird. And then she sees Jessica. <gasps> yeah, she sees another girl in, in the pink dress that she's wearing and she's like, oh my God, Jessica, you scared me. Uh, Jessica stares at her for a moment without saying a word, then turns and disappears through the archway. Her large rhinestone earrings flashing mm. brilliantly as she turned. And Liz is kind of like rhinestones. And she's kind of sure that she remembered Jessica wearing the like teardrop shaped pearls that Sam had yes. given her. So that does kind of strike her as a bit weird. Uh, mm. But she runs through the archway to look for her and Jessica is nowhere to be seen. And she remembers her dream, her recurring nightmare. <laughs> It feels cold again. Like, all of his psychic problems would be solved if she just wore a cardigan. <laughs> <laughs> just manifest and just feeling a little chill. You're so right. Just put on a fucking jumper, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> Get on with it. Grant. 
<laughs> well, we cut to Josh's POV and he knows he's close to her his prey. He, we're told Margot was here somewhere. He could practically taste her presence in the air. Fucking hell. <laughs> By the way, he is he was not ready for Sweet Valley uh, commitment to mm. fancy dress. Yeah, because it, 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 we do find out that he feels a little underdressed in his Sherlock Holmes outfit that, again, he'd thrown together at the last minute. How do you last minute throw together? Like a deer, a deer stalker. stalker hat, a cape, a pipe, an oversized magnifying glass. Come on now. But uh, he's trying to figure out who of the like dancers on the dance floor that Margot could be. So he's kind of sizing up different people and you kind of find out he's looking at Enid because he sees like someone dressed like Amelia Earhart. Mm. But, you know, her face isn't bright and then... He sees the boy that he thought he saw Margot with in the car park outside the mall that time. But yeah, again, he's not dancing with someone who's Margot and he's trying to just figure out how he's going to unmask her tonight. Because, of course, the masks are also confusing the issue for him as well as the insanely elaborate costumes. Yeah, he does say the costumes were elaborate than he had anticipated. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, he wasn't ready for a Sweet Valley level party. He certainly was not. (laughs) Meanwhile, Todd is having an amazing time because there's been no serious consequences for his dickish behaviour. Like, he blames himself for the weeks of their separation, but he vows silently that he'll never doubt Liz again. And she goes off to get a drink. But she returns strangely quickly, looking Hmm. like a blur of pink gauze as she grabbed his arm, whirled him around and dragged him onto the dance floor. Hmm. So yes, Todd kind of realises he was mistaken and it wasn't Liz he was dancing with at all. This had to be Jessica. Well, you'd think he'd recognise her too, seeing as, like, <laughs> how much time they spent writhing around together. Oh my God. But clearly, like, he just sorts Wakefields into, like, Elizabeth and not Elizabeth. <laughs> and that's good enough for him. <laughs> so initially he thinks it's, initially he thinks this is some sort of peace offering, you know, from Jessica. Yes. But of course, she's grinding up against <laughs> his leg. <laughs> Todd's eyes widen when he feels Jessica's hand slip from his shoulder and slide around to the middle of his back. He pulls away as far as he could without being impolite, but she swivels her hips forward <laughs> to follow the line of his body. Oh my God. Good luck to you, Todd. <laughs> And then he gets freaked out as Margot, for it is she, takes things further. Oh my God. Yes. Well, he's freaked out because he's just like, you know, he's never seen you know that Jessica is obviously one of the biggest flirts in town, but he can't figure out why she's doing this, like in the middle of the dance floor and to him. So he's like, Jessica, she put a finger to her lips, barely visible beneath the pink scarf over her face, of course. Uh, and she squeezes him tighter. And uh, yeah, he kind of thinks he couldn't have spoken at all, even if he'd wanted to. So he kind of like ducks out of her arms before the song has even finished. And he's just like out of here trying to find Liz because he's just like, what the fuck kind of mind games is she playing? Like, what is going on here? But uh, yeah, he knew he had to get away and he couldn't look back as he ran from Jessica. He felt her intense, (laughs) cold eyes boring into his back (laughs) like ice picks. I love, by the way, that this is plausible Jessica behavior. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 100% it is, though. I know. (laughs) This is why she'd make such a good Jessica. I wish she'd just change tack and realize she's destined to be Jessica rather than this. Oh, and she's got Jessica all wrong. She thinks Jessica's is like. This is the thing. She's getting the wrong impression. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, as far, as far as Margot was concerned, this all went brilliantly. And, oh, uh, my God. Yeah, she just thinks this has been a total success. <laughs> yes, yeah, so and she thinks how lucky it was that a slow song came on just when Elizabeth turned her back on Todd. 
Nothing is luck, said the low, waspy voice in her head. And Marco says aloud, of course, the stars are helping me tonight. So she thinks that everything's part of a plan. They, you know, it's all fate. And mm. soon uh, Cinderella would become the princess and Todd would be her prince. And then <laughs> somebody behind her says, Jessica, and touches her shoulder. And we're told she whirled, groping for the switchblade she wore strapped to her thigh. Oh, and as my notes say, my oh my God, is she going to fucking stop someone for saying the name of the person she is impersonating? Amazing, but also like Margot is always packing something. Is the lesson here? <laughs> if you look at that girl and go, oh, "There's no way she's carrying a knife," you were mistaken. <laughs> she's got some sort of holster strapped oh, to her thigh. Incredible. <laughs> well, anyway, basically. It's it's Lila who is like, oh, where have you been? I've seen you all night, and uh, he's being, she's being, uh, she drags Lila or drags Jessica or sorry Margot, who she thinks is Jessica, <laughs> to the dance floor, and this hot Italian-looking boy, we're told Italian Margot decided, um, <laughs> is looking at Lila with worship in his eyes, and someday soon boys would follow her in that way. She promises herself, um. But she leaves Mark leaves Lila on the dance floor and she just walks around and everybody is greeting her as Jessica. Because she is thinking yeah. of it like, okay, so people have thought she was Jessica, but that's a minor point still. <laughs> Soon I'll have my Elizabeth act down perfectly. Um, but yeah, she's like the, the belle of the ball. Oh, she's loving it. Yeah, she's kind of really uh, soaking up all this attention and kind of thinking, God, this is this is the best thing ever. Mm. Um, I'm going to have such a great time being a popular Wakefield gal, either one, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, then Amy starts asking about if the judges have picked the winners for the costume contest and Margot kind of chats with her. She's sort of bantering pu- with everyone. Yeah, and is pulling off being Jessica. Um. So yeah, she's kind of just reveling in all of this and how well she's doing and that she's going to be a popular girl from one of the most popular families in town and everyone here loves her. But then she suddenly spots a disturbingly familiar face. And of course, under her breath, aloud, she says, No! (laughs) (laughs) So Josh hasn't seen her yet, so she still has time to get away. So she's like, oh, I'm just going to look for James. Because of course she Mm -hmm. knows all about uh, Jessica's boyfriend. And Mm -hmm. off she runs. And Josh is about to give up and go home when he sees a five foot six slim girl wearing a pink robe and uh, veil. And uh, after sort of he began, he begins sort of dodging around the crowded party in pursuit of Margot. And after a pretty pointless chase, he finally tracks her down miraculously. She's just uh, a few about 30 feet away from him by the by the refreshments table looking at the mm-hmm. dance floor so josh makes his move and again josh has learned nothing since the last time he confronted margo because he runs up to her grabs her by the shoulders and this girl screams understandably begins to struggle but josh knew he was physically stronger than margo and her movements were hampered by her heavy ball gown so he's like holding her by the shoulders she's kicking him in the legs and eventually someone comes over and is like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> um and uh this girl is like it's james of course has come to her rescue and she's like i'm all right james get this guy away from me so james grabs josh uh kind of pulls him away from jessica so then josh falls uh 
end. I think Winston has like knocked him out with some bongo drums yes. here. Because <laughs> he feels a blow to the side of his head and looks up to see a skinny boy wielding a set of bongo drums. <laughs> so the lads have basically descended on Josh like, who the fuck is this guy and why are you attacking Jessica? I mean, why would anyone attack Jessica? <laughs> For I mean, lots of reasons. Yeah, she's got a list of enemies, but... Oh god, but yeah, so Josh is like, her name is Margo, and she's like, my name is Jessica. Um, so he suddenly realizes he had somehow grabbed the wrong girl, and um, realizes he's made a terrible mistake. Well, then fucking Liz turns up, and he's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> it was Margo again. <laughs> if only. Oh god. So he starts. Uh, he's understandably freaked out, and he's yeah. whispering, "This is impossible." <laughs> and he apologizes to Jessica. And um, when uh, yeah, there's a lot of earring chat because apparently mm. one of Jessica's pearl earrings has fallen off in the melee, and Josh notices that the other girl is wearing smaller earrings. So they're, you know, he's not seeing double, I guess. Mm. So Harry boots Josh out of the party because Jessica says she doesn't want to um, press, press charges. charges. And yeah. he's just like, what is happening? He thinks he'd finally found Margot. In fact, he found two of her, but neither one was her. And then he wonders, <laughs> maybe he found the real Margot as well. Because mm. he remembers something about the first Margot he saw. <laughs> this is it again. Very uh, good attention to detail here from... <laughs> Accessories. Yes. I'll tell you, yeah, because the first Margot wore large rhinestone earrings. So the fact that he's noticing all these earrings that all these different girls in pink dresses are wearing <laughs> doesn't seem very realistic. But look, he's realized that maybe that first girl was, in fact, the real Margot. And he thinks it was an incredible coincidence she should travel thousands of miles and come across the very town where her two lookalikes live. But then he's like, what if it wasn't a coincidence? <laughs> Jesus. Get there faster, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> He thinks, well, I mean, he's he's better than James because well, he does think, could Margot be planning to somehow make use of the fact that Jessica and Elizabeth looked exactly like her? So Josh felt his knees turned to jelly at the implications. <gasps> he wasn't sure ex- of exactly what Margot was scheming. But one thing was certain. The twins, Jessica and Elizabeth, were in terrible danger. Oh, my God. I think we're in terrible danger of not doing our ad in time. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Because we're getting so carried away with all the drama. As it's an ad for friends of the show, Sissy That Pod. Oh, our faves. We're, oh, I love this show so much. I'm a genuine fan of Sissy That Pod and we've both been on it before as well. And it's great fun. But yes, so Sissy That Pod, also on the Headstuff Podcast Network and it's hosted by Keen and James. Uh, It's wonderful. It's a RuPaul's Drag Race recap show. Like, what more do you want? <laughs> it's so good. They're chatting about Drag Race UK at the minute. That's actually due to finish, I think, the day this comes out. Oh. But that's been a fun season. Um, and yeah, they cover the American seasons. They cover all the international ones as well, I think, in their bonus content. So like if you're if you're a member of uh, Headstuff Plus, there's a ton of Sissy That Pod that you can catch up on yes. as well there. Um, it's great crack. Like it's genuinely such a fun show. Uh, and we have been have... guests on it and they have been guests uh, with us. Oh, that's Yes, uh, our Amy's True Love episode. We yeah. came James on to talk about uh, Sweet Valley's first canonically gay character, Tom McKay. And his little journey, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you can have a little taste of Sissy That Pod here now. Come on, Sissy That Pod, let's get 
Thickening! Are you a fan of the Emmy award-winning show RuPaul's Drag Race? Do you think about Roxy Andrews at the bus stop? And do you belong in Party City? Well, Sissy That Pod is the podcast for you. Join me, James, and my co-host, Keen. Is there something on my face? As we chat weekly about the runway realness, sickening shade, and backstage buffoonery. That's right, whether it's new episodes of Drag Race US, UK, or All-Stars, Sissy That Pod will spill the tea with a new episode for you within 24 hours. So make good choices and subscribe to Sissy That Pod from the Headstuff Podcast Network and we'll leave you gagging on our eleganza. Now, let the music play. And now, back to Sweet Valley, where Winston answers the door to find Margo on his doorstep. <gasps> what? Oh my God. And he's a little freaked out because mm-hmm. he realises he never actually told this daycare lady where he lived. Yeah. <laughs> but she has still cracked him down. Uh-huh. Uh, so she kind of invites herself in and Winston's a bit like, what are you doing here? Um, so she's Marla, as far as he's concerned, uh, says it's time to face the fact that Daisy's parents have abandoned her. Uh, so she kind of says, look, you know, I'll I'll bring Daisy to social services for you and that'll be easier for you. Yeah. Uh, the Project Youth Centre has a liaison in that office, like all very believable stuff in fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, so you won't have to hand her over to strangers. Uh, and Winston's like, yeah, I know she's right. It's time to face facts. Like this has gone on too long. But then he kind of surprises himself by yeah. saying, actually, no, my parents are going to be back in town tonight and I'm going to wait until then before I take any action. Uh, and it's like, he thought he saw a flash of anger in the curly haired girl's eyes. It's like, oh, Winston, if you only knew how qu- how fast you were about to be murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I am surprised she didn't knife him out of there. Because we know she's wearing one somewhere on her person. <laughs> like... <laughs> But yeah, so she kind of says, well, look, if you want to give it a few more days, that's OK. But you've been running yourself ragged. So, you know, you should go do some shopping or like yeah. do some other things and take care of things. And look, I'll look after Daisy for a bit. Like you go run some errands or whatever and uh, I'll look after her here. So he's a bit unsure. She's like, <laughs> incredibly, she's like, Winston, I am a professional daycare <laughs> provider. She reminded him, I'm not some psycho baby killer. <laughs> Because Margot will fully say the loud, part, the quiet part out loud and oh. doesn't give a shit. Like <laughs> she's enjoying herself, but that will—I mean, Margot, you're you're playing with fire here, which I know you also <laughs> love to do. But she really does. <laughs> oh my god, it's kind of amazing she's got this far without being like apprehended by somebody. <laughs> Absolute miracle. Like she could not be more suspicious if she tried. No. So, uh, but anyway, it's sort of eventually Winston sort of worn down. He's like, okay, I guess I will leave. Day- I mean, he does know that she works in the she in in the. This Darling, is the thing. So he's not- never fully happy with leaving her there. Like, he even feels a stab of fear as he hands the baby over. But the baby's happy out, so he's like, okay, maybe this is fine. Uh, so he does go off, but like, he's still a little uneasy. I think about the whole transaction, but does agree to just kind of leave her there for a bit while he goes into town. Of course, as soon as the door is closed, Margot shows her true colours and says, and exclaims, I thought that dorky Egbert character would never leave. <laughs> and then she starts uh, telling it like it is to poor old Daisy. Oh my God. Yes. She's like, this is the first step. She told the child, <laughs> Elizabeth loves you, but now you're mine to control. Like, good luck controlling a baby, Margot. What are you talking oh, about? <laughs> how has Margot not been fired already from that <laughs> little darlings? Because she's like, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's sniveling babies. It's time for you to take a nap and stop bothering me. So she <laughs> shoves the baby under her arm like a football. <laughs> <laughs> Carries her upstairs, puts her in a cot, and then... Like, dumps her there and uh, leaves her alone and laughs while she cries, but then comes back a minute later and said, you're supposed to shut up when I put you in the bed, you little brat. 
Like, have you ever met a baby, Margot? But like, she also when she's when she's bringing the baby upstairs, she's like, "Which room is it, Brad?" It's like, <laughs> she's a baby. She can't talk. She doesn't know what you're saying. <laughs> and then she starts laughing derisively, 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 and saying, <gasps> "You thought you were gonna have it all." <laughs> Like, Margot has a vendetta against Daisy, the baby here. It's kind of funny. <laughs> well, when Daisy starts screaming, she's like, stop that noise now. Then she almost kills her. Oh, my God. She fully holds a pillow over this baby's face. But luckily, the doorbell rings. So she kind of thinks, fuck it, whoever it was must have heard the baby crying. So she, like, pounds her fist against the side of the crib and <laughs> runs out of the room, uh, opens the door to find Elizabeth standing there. Oh. <gasps> The colour drains from Margot's face. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, oh, what's coming over to help Winston with the baby? Like, is everything all right? Because uh, you can hear screams of anguish from poor little baby <laughs> coming from upstairs. And we're told for weeks Margot had pre- been preparing for the day when she would stand face to face with Elizabeth Wakefield. For the first time, but now, you know, because it's all a surprise, for the first time in her life, <laughs> truly is, Margot was speechless. Oh my god. She slips past Liz and literally just runs out of the house. Just runs away. Yeah. Just, just is like, I'm out of here. But also again, weird that Liz isn't like, oh my god, Jessica, is that yeah. you in disguise? <laughs> or like something. There is no recognition on Liz's part that this is a fucking mirror image looking at her in a weird oh. way. Like just. Even with the wig. Is, even with, like, she must have some prosthetics going on. I just don't understand it otherwise. <laughs> There's a fake nose in there somewhere, surely. <laughs> well, Liz is like, what the fuck? And she keeps thinking of the... And we're told, for some reason... I wonder what, Liz. She keeps thinking of the party and seeing mm. her sister looking, you know, weirdly Weird, at her yeah. in, the, in the courtyard. And then she thinks of the nightmare and uh, realises that the girl in the dream is the girl at Winston's door. <gasps> she had the same blue eyes, apparently. <laughs> Well, Maria turns up and Liz is tempted to tell her everything, but somehow doesn't in the usual contrived mm. way. It's like, she didn't know for sure if the curly haired girl had done anything wrong. It wouldn't be right to spread rumours that could hurt somebody's reputation. <laughs> um, so she says, oh, there was a babysitter. She left and Maria's like, oh, look, I can take over. And Liz wants to talk to Winston, but decides, you know, he can call her when he gets in. Yeah. So later, Winston is home. He's done a big clean up before his parents arrive. And he's he's a bit worried because he thinks he knows what Liz wants to talk about. He thinks she's going to tell him to um, give Daisy, you know, yes. talk to somebody official. Except mm. by official, he means Project Fucking Youth. I know, yeah. It's like you could not get more unofficial. <laughs> so he drives down and uh, sheds a tear as he bids farewell to Daisy and um tell he hands her over to Margot, and she's like look i wrote down her parents details and he you know when all their stuff is in her bag and he does have a little last minute moment when he's like literally handing her over yeah like he does have a twinge of like oh god you know should i be doing this but then he's like no she's a trained professional and he's probably reluctant just to leave daisy with anybody yeah um so yeah she kind of reassures marla i guess reassures him that uh, everything's fine and her shift is over in a few minutes so she's going to bring her over to social services right away um but yeah he just he has to to walk out the door and he hadn't planned on looking back but he couldn't help himself because he's really bonded with daisy i guess in mm-hmm. in this time uh and yeah but as he leaves it occurs to winston that the girl never told him her name fuck's sake Winston you could have asked <laughs> at this stage like <laughs> and of course 
when he gets home, Mrs. Vonchenko was there. I mean, you should call social services anyway, oh, because... Jesus. Yes, because this woman's ridiculous. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Because uh, so, she's like, I'm so sorry, Winston. You know how these little Central American countries are. Do oh, we? God. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, oh, there was some communication problem because of the coup, you know. You were literally going to take a baby down there. And the only thing that stopped you was the fact that you'd get cranky on a flight. And yeah. now it's like a fucking war zone. Like, what well, was your reasoning on? back along? You're right. It's like, you know how cranky babies get on flights. Oh, God, that's the reason you don't want to bring her. Like, she doesn't seem to have involved, like, an embassy or, you know, CIA are right there, yeah. probably. <laughs> fucking teaching people how to torture uh, others um but uh yeah uh she uh, she finally has gone out with her husband and um winston finally gets a word in edgeways and says we've got to go and get daisy before the babysitter turns her over to social services yeah and like at this mrs vanchenko's her eyes widen and for once she's speechless and it's like bitch you abandoned your baby for like a week oh my god so, yeah this is what happens so anyway and again he has to basically nearly yell at her to to shut yeah. her up because she's just babbling away the whole time and he's trying to explain to her that your baby's about to disappear so yeah mm. they have to uh jump in the oldsmobile that the that they've turned up in and he's going to give them directions so they have to speed back to uh to little darlings hopefully in time well winston gets out of the car before it's finished pulling up outside and he could hear a baby screaming in another room and he runs in yelling don't you know daisy's parents are here it's amazing because margo comes out and something like anger flashes in her blue eyes <laughs> but it's gone in a second says she's here and winston finds her lying next to a large pillow because uh-huh. daisy marla Marla, Margo, who's going to do another fucking murder right there in the daycare centre? Oh, baby murder in the daycare. Classic Margo. <laughs> How has she not been caught? Like, there's going to be other crying kids in that place. Honestly, she's gas. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Daisy is reunited with her neglectful parents. And <laughs> yeah. Winston thinks all's well that ends well. And thinks the authorities won't find out about his baby hiding maybe minding I don't know (laughs) Um, so he hopes the girl won't say anything but when he turns around she's gone (laughs) oh my god so we cut to Margot's gaff and she is not happy no she feels like she's just had a few too many close calls at this stage Uh, so between yeah Liz and then Winston and then this uh, close brush with Josh Smith at the party Mm. so she out loud again because that's just how she rolls like again it's like one of those things where if the cops were to turn up at this boarding house lady's door it's not like she could be like she was so quiet and just kept to herself it's like well I constantly heard her just like cackling out of nowhere in her room and just like yelling about stuff and hitting things under her breath constantly very suspicious character now that I think about it yeah because she says aloud if I'm not more careful I could still blow this whole thing yeah you think Margot but then we're told that her voice lapsed into a low raspy sound beware over confidence (laughs) and then we're told I think this is my favorite. No, it's not even my favorite thing. Oh, no. is coming up. Yeah, no, no, I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> this is still pretty good. <laughs> it is because it does. The voice in Margot's head used to come only silently, echoing in her mind. Lately, it had begun speaking through her mouth as well. Oh my god, she was becoming one with the voice. 
She was the voice. <laughs> oh, I Margo. am clapping with joy. Honestly, what a fucking legend. <laughs> oh, I love her. I love the voice. I love them together. It's a dream come true. Oh, name a better duo. You simply can't. <laughs> we'll wait, listeners. We will wait and you will not be able to come up with anything. <laughs> So she remembers the fire and thinks, well, she didn't manage to kill Daisy, but like, she'll she'll light a fire on top of some other child. At some yes. You know, she's got, there's more kids out there. She there's can plenty of kids out there to murder. <laughs> she'll get her chance. Well, she has a deranged new scheme that could only work in no questions asked to Sweet Valley. Oh my God. Yes, she is scanning the phone book, uh, looking for Ned Wakefield's uh, business address. So then she'll be ready, apparently, for the grand finale. Oh! <gasps> Well, she fantasises about Ned and how he's the perfect father, even though he's a little square. Then we get very worrying Oedipal vibes. I was going to say it's an Electra complex, but actually she seems more into Alice. That's true. Child, she mm. occasionally felt a twinge of jealousy towards him, she, but she was sure she would overcome it in time. It was easy to be jealous of someone that Alice Wakefield was in love with. Hmm. Yes, this is it. So she kind of, yeah, for now it was enough to be part of a perfect family. If others started getting too possessive of her mother, well, she might have to come up with a plan to deal with the problem. So basically, Ned better watch his fucking back. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, uh, Margot, we're, we, we were told earlier she had hired a typewriter and that uh, she had learned to type because, of course, if she's going to take over Liz's life, she's going to have to be able to type. Mm. Um, and uh, as she types, she reads, she reads snatches <laughs> of her work aloud. That's how she does it, and it's it's great. I love it. <laughs> Isn't that how you write? <laughs> oh, oh yes. I mean, of course it is. Yes, <laughs> this is a very realistic depiction of the writing totally. process. So she says, "Have followed your career with enthusiasm, impressed by your integrity during the recent mayoral race, consulting contracts that could prove quite interesting, fair amount of care." <laughs> so she decides how the fuck does she not think this will get noticed by the way it isn't noticed she's gonna drop it in Ned's law office the next morning because the post would take too long like what how what so it's gonna be an unstamped unfranked letter from and like the, and the Fairmont Hotel is San Francisco like so it's yeah. A letter from San Francisco that has turned up with no postmark and not having been through the postal system at all. So what the fuck is that? Well, she's still got one last little ominous statement to make. Oh God, yes. She's gazing intently at the name on the outside of the envelope. Have a lovely trip, she said darkly. When you get home, you will have a new daughter. <laughs> <laughs> she's coming. Oh my God. Uh, so good well we cut to the Casa del Wakefield and Jessica's feeling all sad because she knew that when Liz washed up uh, at the, to her at the party when Josh had seized mm. her she was genuinely concerned but yes. you know that just faded away as soon as she saw Jessica was okay but she does hope maybe this coldness will thaw in time and they'll they'll get back together and um they're all getting ready for dinner and Alice is setting the table, but she doesn't know where Ned is because he called half an hour ago and he said he was on his way home. With exciting news. <laughs> and uh, when he arrives... 
<laughs> this is just like the cherry on top of this book, which has oh. already been fucking screamingly entertaining. <laughs> I did not see this coming. Oh my God. Because Ned has received a letter from a woman in the legal department of an environmental engineering firm in San Francisco. She was very impressed in his work with Peter Santelli on the Merrill campaign and stopping the development of that commercial mm-hmm. marina development thing. Yeah. And she wants to talk to him about a consulting contract with her firm. The letter doesn't have a lot of details. It sure fucking doesn't. But it could be interesting. <laughs> what could this woman's name be, Karen? <laughs> well, all of, this extremely strange letter is apparently from a woman named Michelle DeVoice. <laughs> myself a stitch (laughs) (laughs) this is margot at her absolute (laughs) finest oh my god like she's so good at making up names anyway but they have to start with an m and she has used michelle before but like michelle de voice like i love that the voice is getting equal billing with margot's (laughs) fake names now it's like yes this is who i am she is the voice uh De voice, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and it is spelled like two separate words, like de, like a French name, and mm-hmm. then voice spelled like the English word voice. It's Incredible. not even spelt in a funny way, you know, in a yeah. in a sort of stylized way. Yeah. To make it kind of French or something, it's just like nope. The nope. voice. Or even B O Y S E. No, she's just yeah. coming out right there, giving the voice the credit it deserves. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> By the way, how the fuck is Ned a professional lawyer? It's like this oh. really vague letter, and he's Yuck. like, oh, this sounds great. Yeah, he points out as well that this uh, th- this Michelle person <laughs> wants to meet with them next Monday and she's reserved a room for the two of them, as in Ned and Alice, mm-hmm. uh, at the Fairmont Hotel, which, like, the Fairmont Hotel is like a super fancy hotel in is it San real Francisco. oh it is oh, oh yeah. my god yeah 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 no my, my point of reference for the fairmont hotel is <laughs> the rock uh where sean connery gets <gasps> out of prison and his uh his terms for pulling off this heist are that he wants to be put up in the fairmont hotel <laughs> I, I, I did not i have seen the rock and enjoyed yeah. it but i did not remember that okay i'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna search for it Hang on, let's see. <laughs> fairmont hotel San Francisco. oh it comes up straight yeah down. It's fancy. Oh like. my goodness. Yeah. How, the, how is Margot affording this? Like, seriously. Uh, they're kind of Michelle's voice many. is <laughs> rolling Jules. in money, it sounds like. Because <laughs> yeah. she's bought plane tickets as well. That's it, yeah. Like, it's uh, ridiculous. <laughs> so, yes, she's kind enough to uh, get a room for two nights. And she's like, oh, can you, you know, skive off work? And I was just like, oh, I'm sure I can. Will you two girls be all right? Home <gasps> alone. <gasps> Oh and Elizabeth suddenly feels uneasy. Ooh. Um, it says, of course, mom, we'll be perfectly safe. And Jessica echoes her words. But even she feels weird. <laughs> That's it. As she did. Yeah, she says perfectly safe. But as she did, she looked across the table into her sister's blue eyes and saw the apprehension mirrored there. A shiver ran down her spine. And that was the end. I'll be where the babysitter. That Next stop, so evil twin. Oh my god, I can't wait. <laughs> Cannot wait. I'm so excited. Oh, do we have any stats and outfits? Why am I even asking? I know so we do. many, Anna. We're going to be here for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> now it is half ten, but yes, we cannot. We can't rush this. This is important stuff. Okay, so 
the twins blondness got 14 mentions in this one For what yeah, what? 14. Is that, a, is that a record? That seems, it has to be it's, a record, right? It's up there for sure. Uh, the Blue Green Eyes got 15. What? Like, this and is... then, <laughs> but then this it gets confusing. Lot. It gets very confusing because Margot's blonde hair is mentioned six times. But the whole point of her hair is that it looks like Wakefield hair. So then I wasn't sure if I should count Margot's blonde hair as Wakefield blonde oh, hair. No, 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 not, so, not yet. <laughs> Patience. <laughs> <laughs> and Margot's blue green eyes are mentioned ten times. So again, if we were to just what? count oh all God, of that as, been, as, 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 as Wakefield blue green eyes, that would be twenty-five mentions of Wakefield blue green eyes between Margot, Jessica, and Liz. Good, sweet Jesus. It's, it's getting very confusing, you see, because it's overlapping a lot now, all the blondness and blue-green eyes, because they are the, the linchpins of Margot's <laughs> Wakefield drag. <laughs> so, like, any time, basically, any, yeah, pretty much any time her eye colour is mentioned, like, it'll be, like, a Wakefield is mentioned straight away because, you know, <gasps> just like Jessica's eyes kind of thing. So, in some cases, it kind of counts as one each. And then it's like, it's getting confusing, Anna, is what I'm saying. That is fair. No, but I'm very it's, impressed by your ability to keep them separate. You know, you've, yeah, you're monitoring I kept them, them in two I, separate tracks. <laughs> I did keep it's them good. separate for this one, but I feel like it's going to get more muddled the further we go into it. Um, and then Margot's black hair got four mentions. So oh. you still have that in play a little bit, even in terms of a wig being her natural hair colour. Oof. And then the crying. People cried only nine times this time. So we have yet to beat 22 instances of crying, which was a few books ago. In fairness, they're too busy waving their hair around. So <laughs> um, Outfits. Yes. Okay. So when Liz is rooting through Jessica's uh, manky room for laundry, she reaches for a pair of psychedelic stirrup pants. <laughs> The mind Which, reels. I mean, chef's kiss. Uh, <laughs> we have one of Alice's outfits uh, that Marg was very impressed with. She wears a simple but elegant silk blouse, Natch, no uh, a straight deep purple skirt, and there's a matching suit jacket draped casually over the back of a chair. Ooh. And Margot's fingers reach toward the cool, crisp linen. <laughs> she's so enraptured by Alice Wakefield. Um... What else? Oh, yes. Okay, so like Jessica and Liz's uh, Cinderella outfits are pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, and they essentially consist of like this like light pink ball gown. It's kind of like it's described as like shimmery and filmy. So it's very kind of princessy. Uh, Jessica, I don't know if Liz is wearing these, but Jessica is wearing white tights that glitter with tiny stars all over them, which sounds kind of amazing. They're the ones I, I do like. They're, I think that's my favourite uh, favourite Outfit, but item mm. clothing. Yeah, in, in it's, the, it's, amid all the outfits, it's a good one. Uh, she also has her shimmery pink scarf, which kind of works as her kind of veil, kind of mm -hmm. mask, kind of thing. Uh, she wears all this with silver pumps, and then Liz's outfit is essentially the exact same. I think it's just a slightly different shade of pink yes. dress, but everything else is the same. Uh, James has turned up oh, yeah. in his prince's outfit, which consists of navy slacks and a cornflower blue satin tunic that mm -hmm. makes his eyes even bluer. He's wearing a white sash studded with official looking medals and ribbons. His long light brown hair swept rakishly to one side. So he fully went for like cartoon prince. like Prince Arthur! Unreal. Did a great job. I love it. <laughs> As Prince Arthur would say... <laughs> we can only guess. Bueno. 
Um, Stephen and Billy were also at this party because, of course, they were. uh, And they were dressed as Mickey and Minnie Mouse. I'm glad Um, we didn't have to have too much of them. I know, me too. Uh, So Lila's Scarlett O'Hara outfit. I mean, you know, it does sound nice because it is a big fluffy gown basically oh I, like, I know exactly what it looks dress. like yeah it's, yeah, it's like, a big frothy dress exactly she's resplendent and white white ruffles she's wearing a huge jeweled brooch on her neck this is like a ruby brooch she had been eyeing up uh, at the mall and then what else oh yeah with Robin Wilson as the mime and who I think it's oh yeah Annie Whitman has come as again kind of inappropriate a gypsy fortune teller <laughs> Uh, which is a little bit iffy. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) there's quite a few iffy costumes, unfortunately, at this thing. But look, I mean, still a lot of outfits. Uh, So some really nice things. I'm particularly attached to those psychedelic stirrup pants, I must say. I really, I want to see them. I (laughs) want to see them. I want to know more. I need details. (laughs) It seems like an odd combo. Like leggings, psychedelic leggings. Yes. Mm -hmm. Stirrup pants. Not a look that I can really picture, but... um, Wouldn't have thought so, but uh, I mean, it's it's Jessica, and we know she uh, she likes her outrageous outfits. It's true. Um, <laughs> I, I I do feel we have been very much deprived, speaking of outrageous outfits, of Dana. That's true. She really actually since in Love of the Prince, I feel like she hasn't really been knocking around much at all, no. has she? Well, she certainly hasn't been in this mini series. Mm, that's true. Maybe she was mentioned at the maybe in the Jungle Prom, but oh, yeah. Um, definitely haven't had enough of her. Maybe she'll pop up in the evil twin. Who knows? <laughs> Which, remember, listeners, is going to be a two-parter. Mm. Possibly I mean, including a be. drinking game. We we haven't decided yet, but you never know. <laughs> but yeah, because like it is twice the size of these other books, if not more, and oh, it's already yeah. taking us three hours to get through one of oh, these because we can't stop talking about Margot. <laughs> In fairness, can you blame us? We don't expect you to listen to this in like one sitting. One go. Like this, this should keep you going for two weeks. Surely, yeah. Just space it out. It'll be fine. Well, do let us know what you thought of Beware the Babysitter. Did you enjoy it as much as we did? What do you feel about the voice finally coming into its own? Or, or do you think it's kind of just being now just subsumed into Margot? Mm. Like when, you know two businesses joined together but really one of them is just being kind of eaten by the other Mm, interesting Mm. but uh, do let us know what you think you know how to find us we are on twitter at svh podcast you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on Instagram at svhpodcast, where you had plenty to say. Uh, <laughs> Bobbins and Buttons uh, said that, uh, is the middle-aged woman in pink on the cover of the wedding our flat-faced queen? Surely not. She looks more mother of the bride. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what we thought too, but it was meant to be Lila, unfortunately. Yeah. Also pointed out, my wedding dress is 18 years old, just like Grace's. Doesn't need restoring. Maybe a squirt over with some Febreze and a bit of a press. <laughs> Good on the dress restorers of Sweet Valley for cashing in, though. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, they're making their money where they can. I mean, uh, I got married in a 1930s uh, dress, like a, a vintage dress, and it was like 70 years old when I got <laughs> married, and it did not need to be restored. So restored. what the fuck did Grace do to that 18-year-old dress? What happened to it? <laughs> Um, Pippi had surely reminded us of another Margot lookalike that I for one had forgotten about or another Rayfield lookalike 
Well, this is it. Yeah. In line with the others who remarked that Margot's twin resemblance uh, could also prompt Sweet Valley denizens to ask Margot if she's their cousin Kelly. Yes. Because she was a dead ringer too. And yes, you're absolutely right. I think like she had a slightly different nose, but like at a glance, Kelly mm. was very much another fucking Wakefield, like like a, like a triplet. Yeah. Uh, and they went to like, oh, they went to a fancy dress party in that book too. <gasps> oh my God. It's Remember? like the monkeys. They were the monkeys. They were like, yeah, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil monkeys. Um, <gasps> so yeah, like there's just fucking copies of these girls running around all over the place. Well, um, OGW Nostalgia said, since nobody seems to clock that Margot is identical to the twins, but with black hair, it really, it really makes you wonder how everyone was still able to recognise Jess when she dyed her hair black in the new Jessica. Chantal of Sweet Valley have been squinting their eyes at her and wondering who is this girl is and why is she so familiar? Claire PH said, Sweet Valley seeing Margot was like the reporters at the Daily Planet working with Clark Kent. <laughs> It's fully that. It is the Clark Kent disguise in that spare glasses. Who is this man? It's completely different. Tisaloon was one of many who wondered why uh, Mar- Margot wasn't going to kill Jessica hmm. and points out no one would bat an eyelid if Jessica was narrating evil schemes out loud, whispering to herself, <laughs> having an elaborate fantasy life or wanted to do harm to anyone who expected her to do a day's work. Yeah, like she would absolutely track it. She wouldn't have to change anything about her behaviour to slot in perfectly as Jessica. That's true. Um, Anne Foster, not that one, said, you both doubt Marco's hair is magically turning blonde, but I think between the dimple formation and now this, she's using sheer force of will to transform her own physiology. And honestly, if anyone could do it, it's her. Fair, very yeah. fair point. I did like uh, how uh, Impure Halo said signs to watch out for it uh, to show that Elizabeth was taken over. Suddenly, her poetry is good. <laughs> her, essays, her essays of more than one topic, no longer all about how great Sweet Valley is. <laughs> very good warning system there. <laughs> they, well, this is the thing. I mean, there's no way Margot would be able to carry off this twin switch. No offense to mm. you, Margot. We love you, but I don't think mm. that's where your skills lie. Yeah. Um, wait, Anna Banana said, anyone get me? Major Misty from Yellow Jackets 5 when Marco was in the curly wig and wire glasses oh repeatedly flattening that lady with her car. Amazing. Oh how God, did I we not be... notice that? How did we not? And I love Misty. Like, yes. she is one of my favourites. <laughs> Ancient, Blog- Ancient Blogger said, I thought those were pyramids in the background. Though that wouldn't surprise me if Cows and Rakefield <laughs> somehow managed to borrow them. I mean, yeah, that all checks out there. <laughs> Um, we uh, oh yeah we also heard from Mar- Marnie McFly VA who said we school attendants if I wanted to take a mental health day in high school all my mother had to do was call me in sick as long as she didn't have an unusual number of absence, uh, absences already that semester no one questioned it I personally was allowed by my mom to do that about twice a year but I was oh. a perennial good girl who could get away with a lot as an assault <laughs> oh my god oh, I would never I, I would not have been able to do that <laughs> my parents, my mother's a teacher so there was like not in my school but um oh well both of my parents were teachers in my school so yeah that was not oh. for me. <laughs> where's karen oh i have no idea yeah no dawson classes uh, for me <laughs> see my mom was my teacher was she wasn't my teacher but she was a teacher in my primary school but um, I mean primary school that could be bunked off anyway but yeah secondary school (laughs) she still wouldn't she you know she would just not have written me a sick uh, a fake sick note Mm. under any circumstances I think out of sort of teacher loyalty well there you go yeah 
Um, um, hello, Ali uh, told us about um, teen mag. We were sort of wondering about Liz hmm. reading wedding magazines. But yes. hello, Ali didn't think it was that weird. Again, just American conservatism surprising us again. Uh, because, yeah, she revealed that teen magazines in the US used to be incredibly regressive and weird, primarily because their editors saw themselves as writing for the parents of teenage girls and advertisers rather than the teens themselves. So, yeah, she says that she talked to a woman who was a 17 model in the 70s. She told me their February issues were always devoted to weddings. That continued until 1982. So Liz leafing through the pages of teen wedding magazines wasn't exactly current in the 90s but wasn't super ancient history either and we do know that Sweet Valley tend to just pull references that are like 20 years out of date for the kids they're talking about true, true. <laughs> like on the regular uh, so yeah though I would to be honest I would not put it, put it past Sweet Valley to turn out teen wedding content in print mags maybe Ingenue is helmed by a former nun as 17 was at this time Jesus. so yeah but then again like that just I guess makes all the kind of I suppose yeah at the, when I would have been reading teen magazines it was all the UK ones because yeah, there weren't yeah. any Irish ones at the time but like yeah. looking back they were very progressive and oh, very much very aimed at their readers like it was very much all the editors and whatever kind of advice columns were always very much written for the audience like, oh, well, and not, not with this weird kind of like looming this is for the parents <laughs> we're going to tell you to just be really good and not do anything bad ever not at all like they would mm. always have things about like safe sex and mm. say that like remember you know the age of consent and it was always about only do things if you want to if you're ready all this kind of like very much yeah on and the they, side of the teens like yeah. yeah and they would give really like they were literally my friends and my sole source just 17's problem page mm. in like the yeah. late 80s early 90s was our sole source of sex education yeah. and it would say things like there'd be questions like if somebody fingers you can you get pregnant if they've like <laughs> gone near some jizz like it would be that explicit it, but that's which, it like and in the in the 90s how else were you supposed to fucking find it yeah. <laughs> you certainly weren't going to be told that at school Not but at it all. was it was very much the sort of things that teenagers actually might want to know yes so um yeah, I'm I'm really surprised at this uh, because mm, yeah, as you say, just seventeen especially was like very, uh, very progressive, and the idea that like there'd be anything about weddings is absolutely oh unhinged, bonkers. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, we do love always hearing these things because we know you know we uh, are very ignorant about a lot of stuff, <laughs> and we. Appreciate you educating us. That's it. All we know is our own perspective of, you know, growing up and living in Ireland. So, yeah, good to know these things. And speaking of education, um, we were very amused by the excellent shout out we got in the fantastic podcast Vulgar History. Uh, because we, uh, it turns out that Herbert, my pills, has made it into another podcast. It has breached containment. <laughs> <laughs> in the uh, in the story of uh, Manuela Sáenz, I hope I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name uh, properly, the uh, Latin American uh, heroine and uh, girlfriend of Simon Bolivar, uh, which was a great episode, and I have been really really enjoying Vulgar History. Um, it's got a massive backlight back. Backlist of episodes. Yes. Nice. And if you're interested in scandalous historical stories about ladies getting up to all sorts, and who isn't, quite frankly, Fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I strongly recommend it. I've just been listening to the series about Hortense uh, Mancini, um, who was like uh, an adventurous woman in the 17th century, who was Charles II's 
mistress and um, it's uh, it's non-stop action there you go yeah these bras were getting up to all kinds of stuff they were and um i have to say to uh to the tits out brigade of vulgar history that i too fancy charles ii which is uh which was a confession in the podcast and it's uh it's weird for an irish person to very it's a lot you know that's a big admission to make uh, however his enemy was cromwell and if oh, you were an Irish shit. person from a Catholic background, mm. Cromwell tried to kill all your ancestors. So That's true. Charles II is obviously better. Point in favour for Charles II. Because <laughs> I do fancy the horrible histories version of him, I have to admit. Exactly. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> I mean, come on. He's the king of brought back partying. <laughs> How could you not be into that? <laughs> so yes, if you enjoy this podcast and you're also interested in history, um, I you should definitely check that out. And uh, there's plenty of people who will make you say Herman my pills. I'm telling you that much. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my god. But uh, if 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 all those scandalous ladies of the past aren't enough to keep you going until our next episode, because uh, we know you all have tenter hooks waiting for Margot uh, to to make her final move, the grand um, finale you, of Margot's evil plan. <laughs> she literally called it the grand finale, which I, I was delighted it. by. I know. <laughs> Well, if you can't wait uh, two weeks for more Sweet Valley, you can join us in this Pi Beta Alpha Clubhouse by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yes, if you head on over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up for as little as five euro a month uh, and support the show, uh, which would be very kind of you. And we really appreciate everyone that does. Um, yeah, so when you do that, you get access to all of our bonus content, and we have quite the back catalogue ourselves. I feel like oh. at this stage, we're almost at the end of season two of the Sweet Valley High TV show. So there's almost like two entire seasons of episodes to plow through uh, in there. And like, honestly, the TV show has been unexpectedly delightful. Oh uh, we're super attached to everybody. There's going to be another cast shakeup soon, and we're very sad about that. So uh, if you want to go back and enjoy all the great characters and the crack we're having with it, because the show is absolutely bonkers. Like, just oh. when we think we've got a handle on it, they throw in a fucking Casablanca scene and it's like, what? Where did this come from? Like, it will keep you on your toes is what I'll say. Oh, I did not see that Casablanca scene coming. <laughs> Who did? <laughs> well, uh, we we love um, all our uh, all our listeners, whether they're in Pi Beta Alpha or not. Mm. But we will see our Pi Beta Alpha sisters um, in the clubhouse in one week's time to uh, to to say goodbye. I think to on screen Sam that block of wood, oh that God. cardboard Finally. box. Be shot of him! I can't wait. <laughs> well, it's a little episode called Win Sam, Lose Sam. Um and uh we will see all of you. Oh my god! In the main feed, lads. Like it's the reason. Genuinely, the reason we started this podcast was so we could eventually talk about the evil twin. It is. Like I just hope it's not an anticlimax. Now. Oh my god, me too. Imagine we spent five years building it up, and then it's like, yeah, that wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do have fond memories of it. Like I do mm. remember some dramatic moments from it okay. that I yeah. just don't think can be disappointing. It'd be hard <laughs> for them to be. Okay. The only sad thing is that it will mean saying goodbye to Margot. Oh man, I don't and want the, to. And the voice. <laughs> I can't remember if Nora, her evil twin, had a voice. Yeah, I, I don't either. I don't know if I actually ever read the Nora book, but... There's more surprises in store, at least. Well, there you go. We'll have that to look forward to, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, you know, maybe if Margot just remembered she had a sister, she wouldn't have gone on this killing spree. Could have avoided all this murder. Mm. But you know, she enjoys it so much. Who are we to stop? <laughs> <laughs> She's doing what she loves. <laughs> exactly. Well, we will see you here in two weeks. Possibly we will have a bottle of wine. Who knows? <laughs> We might need it. Oh, God. Well, we'll need it, all right. But whether it's a sensible <laughs> idea to have it is another question. But one way or the or another, drunk or not drunk, <laughs> we will find out what happens when Elizabeth and Jessica Wakefield meet <gasps> the evil twin. Oh, my God. See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) I am the boy. (laughs) This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.